straight riffing is filmed in front of a live internet audience. I am riffing. Mitch is riffing. What more can I say? Straight, straight riffing. Do you know how fucking desperate I am for some comfort in my life? I need that pillow. This show is intended for mature audiences only. I've seen a lot of this. I don't know how much more disgusting this experience could get. Are you really not having a good time? I'm having a fantastic time. I just can't believe how disgusting you are. I kept yelling, I'm, I'm not going to whip my dick out. We talked about that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Featuring your host, Mitch Marzoni. I don't walk around going like, hey, I'm really weird. Look at me, I'm weird. As far as I'm concerned, I'm perfectly normal. It's uh, it's a litmus test for people. Teddy Tuxin. I'm a hate mercenary. Yeah. All right. All right. Hate mercenary. Hate, hate, hate for hire. Hate for hire. I should put on a bit of sky. There are two victimless crimes, all right? One, jerking off when your window's open. Two, <laughs> necrophilia. I'm confessing to a large-scale crime. Okay. okay. All right. right Legs akimbo engaged in sexual discourse. Come on, man. What kind of guest are you? It's archive for posterity. Great internet. So, uh, it'll, uh, it'll come back to haunt you every day. It's time to riff. Oh, that is right, bitches and motherfuckers. It is uh, July 9th, 2012, episode 68, I believe. 68. 68. And it is time to riff the fuck on. I am your host, uh, Reverend Mitch. With me, as always, is the difficult brown, the hater for hire, Mr. Teddy TMI. Tutson, how the fuck are you, sir? Oh, man. Still standing, Mitch. Still holding strong, you know what I mean? Trying to avoid them. Fort Sumters out there in the game sure, of life trying to sure. hold on with my Ulysses S. Grant. You know what I mean? Word. Word is bond, son. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. And our special guest this evening, uh, who had uh, a hell of a time trying to find parking in oh this atrocious neighborhood. In the building. All good. Uh, please give it up for Mr. John Wesley. How are you, sir? Damn, I never heard my name, you know, like that. <laughs> right? Damn, that sounds good. Can you do that again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's make sure, it sure. Right. Yeah, make a man feel comfortable with it. Yeah, place. man. <laughs> John Wesley. Yeah. You know, you make me feel important when you do it like that. <laughs> Yeah. That's what That's Mitch, good. Well, you are. All about. You, you, do, you sweated it. through that Hollywood traffic. Oh, you went through the man. rat race. And y'all need to quit. You deserve you to come somebody up over here and you ain't got no damn place to park. Look at that shit. I know. Listen, hey, it's not us. We're working on it. We're trying. Y'all got to make some money, man. Believe it. Believe you me. We're trying to get it. This is the first thing we invested in. You'll get no argument from us there. We do need to make. Yeah, we all need to make some money. Always got to make a little bit more money. Yeah, man. It's all right. So, what y'all up to, babe? What you got me in for. What's the going riff, on? As it were, the, riff. the, the riffing. I like that. It's, like, a, it's like an improvisation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. like to yeah. we like to cover all things big and small. What you covering? What will we covering today? Uh, any on number of things. Side. Anything that anything that comes up. Uh, how's uh, how's life in life in Wesleyland? Wesley life world. Is good. I wish it was more work, more money. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, actually, I can't complain because they didn't give me a lot of work. I fooled them. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm no, sorry. I was only going to say I snuck, <laughs> I snuck in here, you know, and they didn't know who I was. Did you? So did you ever intend on acting as your like profession of trade? Oh, hell no. What? So the story of John Wesley, you know, if you were if we're starting out biographical style, we're like, <laughs> we're like the storied saga. A wee, well, a wee John Wesley who's yeah, looking up yeah. at his future <laughs> self who has come back 40 years deep in the acting game now. now. And he's like, I don't even recognize now, look, you. I look, wanted to be a blank. What did you want to do? Now look, 
go with that name, John Wesley. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look that name up, you know, that's that guy started all the Calvin churches and the Protestant churches and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of white dudes on the Google A lot section. of white dudes, man. You know, ain't too many brothers over there. No. Yeah, but you go over there to YouTube right now and you, you, cl- you clock in the actor John Wesley. I'm sitting on top of them white folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right at the top. But here's how I got into acting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to yell out, like, testify, but I was like, I don't know. Is this, uh, got a witness? So I don't know. My either. God, that's the best segue I think we've ever had. That's the best. I'm sitting on top of them white folks. But uh, acting, anyway. you did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all accidental, Real man. quick, did you lock the front? I did, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'll check. Is somebody coming in Sorry. here? We never know, John. Oh, you never know. Yeah. You know how these apartments work. Good thing man. I didn't bring no money. You know? Yeah, yeah. People just walk I don't in. Because we're in Hollywood. You know that. Yeah, yeah. They hit you over the head. Yeah. What was that? Ry Cooter said, they'll literally kick your ass. It was Ry Cooter said that. I don't know who that uh, is. You know, you don't know who Ry Cooter is? Man, it's a super white dude, man. I'm he sounds like a brother. I'm sorry. You, Teddy? You, you don't know you who Ry Cooter is, Teddy. Who is this? Ry Cooter. I don't know if I'm familiar with that name. R-Y-C-O-O-D-E-R. Okay, thank God. C O O D E R. Yes, uh, uh, he's kind of a redneck, actually. Okay. But he's so beautiful. He talks about if you come to Hollywood, you better not run out of cash because they'll literally kick your ass. And that was our theme song when me and, well, I'll name him, James Avery came to Hollywood. You guys know the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm-hmm. the big guy. Yeah, we, Uncle Phil. We, Uncle Phil's my old partner from 40 years. You see, we've been, so, we've been acting, buddy. So you got in, so you got it, you got started with, with James Avery. Yeah. Kind of, pretty much. Yeah. So where I did beat you... him out of a job? What, what, which gig was that? We were down in the old globe in San Diego doing a piece called, Ian, it was by a guy cat named Ionesco. So you're doing theater back yeah, then? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing, uh, we're doing a play and I come in, I saw James Avery auditioning and you know that voice he's got, man. Yeah. I thought he was James Earl Jones, you know, with that thing. Yeah. Great <laughs> so, voice. Great you know, voice. The yeah. director, you know, single me out. I wasn't even there to audition guys. I'm serious. I, they're dropping my sister off for the audition. And then on my way to dinner, he spots me. But guys, this is 1974. Okay? Had you done any acting prior to this no, at all? No, no, no. This is 74. And of course, in 74, we're wearing the bell bottoms. You know, we got the, we got the hats on. Superfly. Yeah, we superfly. You had the pla- do you have any platforms? Did you own I platforms? I had my platforms on. It's Friday night, dude. <laughs> so what Did happened? Did you have goldfish platforms? Did you ever have No, I, it was all white. You know, yeah, I was in all yeah, white. All I had white a money platform. green, you know, uh, sports coat on with <laughs> a white go. hat and all feather. Right. You know all what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Real yeah. pimp shit right now. Yeah. That's that real OG you, pimp shit. It's Friday night, dude. We partying. Anyway. I come in the room, and the director sends his assistant over with his little clip. I tell the cat, I said, no, 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 I'm not here, man. I said, look, my sister's over here. She's the one audition. Don't be, I'm, I'm not interested. The guy said, you sure about that? I said, yeah, I'm sure. He went back. Now, this director was a black dude, man. This cat named Dr. Floyd Gaffney. You've heard Avery talk about it. But anyway, this cat man stands up. He said, you. I said, I said, me? He said, yeah, yeah, you. You don't want to read for my play? I said, no, I'm, I'm not interested in reading for your play. <laughs> what? You, you, what? You, you, you're an actor? I said, no, no, I'm not an actor. I said, but my sister is here reading for your play. I'm on my way to dinner. This is my woman over here. We headed out. <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he kept talking, just talking. Yeah, well, what do you know? Well, the next thing you know, my woman tugs on my little sports coat to tell me, hell, we're here. I may as well read. 
Yeah, so yeah. I read for this part, and the cat tells me to come back the next day. Well, he's also told James Avery that. So I can't figure why this guy's calling me, man. Turns out, see, you got to know Ionesco. He's an absurdist playwright. Mm-hmm. Extreme. So he had hired a cat that looked like a white guy. Looked like James Avery. Same hairline, big belly, you know, all of that. And he was looking for a cat who could look like a prince. Well, that's me. I got the, you know, big hat on. Super fly. Yeah, baby. So I wind up getting this job. Now, yeah, I'm serious. Platform kingdom. That's right. I get this job, y'all. And the next thing I know, I get a best uh, nomination for best supporting actor in the play. And then I get an offer to come to UCSD. They're starting an actor's training program and want me to be in it. And a full on a full fellowship. Now, bear in mind, guys, I ain't tell you this. I got a BA in political science. I'm on my way to law school. That's where I'm headed. But so uh, that's the young that's the young John Wesley who's that's like, right. I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm gonna be real scholarly in oh, this shit. I'm gonna be in the movement, baby. I'm being a civil rights movement, I'm gonna get you brothers some you know, some action. You know, they're fucking over you. Right. So I'm trying to help you yeah, out. Yeah. But uh, I got Pulled off in another direction. So you go, you get the you get the sidetrack, and so like, so going throughout high school, no, like no theater in no, high school, no, nothing no, like that, no, no writing, anything. You were totally no, just focused on what aspect? Nothing. Of, <laughs> I focus on. Nothing. I do shit. You never do shit. I dropped out of high school. Oh yeah, I got a job washing cars in Coronado. I was about sixteen. What grade did you drop out at? I was about sixteen, so it'd been about eleventh okay. grade, something like that. Mm. And uh, I got this job, washing cars. Oh shit! I'm making money, babe. At the car wash. I don't wash. need. You got it, babe. <laughs> I don't need no school. Shoot! I got me a job. I was telling somebody today. It's it's interesting. I say this though. The reason I got off on this job wasn't the job title. The fact of the matter is, I was 16 and I'd go to work with four men every morning, and I could listen to men talk. And I started learning stuff right, from these right. men right quick. It was great. Just kind of expanding your horizons about I the world. I started learning life. You know, I got right. these guys. To, they're not scholars. They're car wash guys. <laughs> <laughs> but they know shit. Right, right, right. And they're talking, man. I'm listening, you know. Then I got that job. And guess what, guys? I got a promotion. I got me a dishwashing job downtown. Shit. Balling. <laughs> God damn! I mean, that was a huge raise, man. I got to wear an all-white uniform, you know. And shit, I got a paycheck every two weeks. I'm, you know, I'm, you got disposable income now. You got, yeah, you yeah. can make moves. You can make moves. I got baby. Me a woman now, y'all. Mm. I can take her shopping. You know, she could. She come right on payday. You know, she wouldn't show up no other time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, it's cool. You got a real, little, you know, every fortnight she rolled sure. through, yeah. yeah Bought yeah. me a car. Back up off me, motherfuckers. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> what, what was your first car then? I had a 55 Burgundy Chevy. Nine, on them Chevrolet Bel Airs. Oh, all right. Sweet. All right. Okay. My little half moons and shit on a three speed. Ah! Nice. Had you and I had you eyed that one out for a while? Like I see, like I've never been really a car person, so like I like have no real reminiscent thing about cars or whatever but like i feel like you know it was that kind of like that's my car i'm gonna eye that bitch out i'm gonna you get money and i'm finally gonna buy that See motherfucker that? and then i'm driving that bitch out i'm gonna pick up somebody and we're going to a hot date i'm gonna say <laughs> go buy yourself something real nice hot dog and some See? onion rings we're gonna be See? real good let's go to the drive-in See? See the screen 
shit's gonna be hot. See when yeah, I've only had two cars that I I I was like that. I'm getting one of those. I've only had that happen twice. But, what what uh, what what two? Uh, both of them were Nissan Altimas. One was a, a red '05, <laughs> and the other one was a black '08. <laughs> Nissan Altima. Yeah, yeah. You didn't yeah. see the car I come up in here, did you? No. Can we? Yeah. You, now, now, you don't get me wrong. That 55 just, Chevy Beverly, as, 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 a, as a practical says nothing about me car. Yeah. The Altima is a yeah. good one to pick. That's true. You know true. what I mean? Actually, it's a great car. See, it's good. It's no just, disrespect. It's, no it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> but this, it ain't no 55 Chevy Beverly. Come on. You ain't taking no bitch out on the No, I know. Absolutely, absolutely. It's got no. There's no pizzazz to it. Again, it says nothing about me. And I kind of like that. You get no just, women you know, in no Altima. You can I mean, listen. Now, I yeah, you women. guys going to get a kick out of this. Yeah, right. yeah, go ahead. Because, you know, you asked me about my acting career. Yeah. Uh, I moved to San... Well, there's a there's a lot between this, but James Avery and I start to tour out of our own theater company in 1979. And we get asked to come to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival with these two South African plays. We're activists with these plays. No, so, so you're trying got, to get Nelson Mandela out of here. So you've got a lot of that same, you know, drive behind going yes. to law school, but yes. it's been channeled now. It's channeled now into the arts. And now, are you based out of San Diego still mm-hmm. when you're touring with, right. with James Avery? That's right. Okay, That's so right. now you're both out of there. You're right. And so you're Oregon Knox in the Shakespeare Festival. We go to the Shakespeare Festival. We spend two seasons up there. We tour for three years with these plays. Outside the festival, we're making some big bucks now, you know, me and Avery. Oh, we clean it up. But a lot of Chevy action going ooh, on. Ooh, brother. But anyway, <laughs> we get, we, we, we're the big smash up there. Because guess what? There are no black people there till me and Avery get there and integrate that motherfucker up. Mm. What, where are we talking about? The Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Okay, all right. So okay. no, okay. no black actors. There were no black actors. Were there any, there. any, anything not a white actor, except no, for there were no black anybody people. who wasn't just a lumberjack, pretty they, much. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There were no blizzard. There were no black people. Me and Avery was the only two. Wow. So yeah. I tell y'all a little story. And you were based out of there for three years. So well, we, we 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 worked we worked there for two seasons. We worked there for two seasons. So but now look, they call us in. You are gonna like this, brother? <laughs> they call us in because we, you know, they they the the, the uh, company manager. Calls us in. He says, Avery, uh, John Wesley, uh, listen, uh, you know, you two guys are going to be considered exotics here. Did he use the term exotics? That's the word. Oh, my God. No, he didn't. Yes, she did. Oh, she did. White woman. Oh, excuse me. She. Oh, my God. So now look, I look at Avery like, oh, okay. Exotic. So, so what's up with that? So now she says, uh, <laughs> she says, uh, well, the reason I say that is because the women are going to be hitting on you guys. So I say to Avery, well, that ain't no big thing. I'm used to that. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Avery, I have a cruise around Chevy Bel Air. That's right, babe. <laughs> so anyway, she says, yes, yes, but one thing. They're all going to be white. That's when we looked at each other like, oh, that's what y'all done called us in here for. Huh? Mm. So, so then got, she adds, oh, wait, now she oh. adds to it. Now listen, you guys represent the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And so all of your activities reflect back here. So please, listen, if you're going to deal with these women and you'll be dealing with them, just keep it low keyed, would you? And so that's so you we- got like the wink and the nod, <laughs> but they were like, don't bring any public right. scrutiny. And what now? What year? What year is this? This again? is seventy nine, eighty. 
It's like uh, that that Damn, boxer. Son. What's his name? He's killing me right now. Who is this? I was thinking. I couldn't remember what the boxer's name. I was thinking of. I don't know. It's that's so me. like 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 so like going into the eighties. It's just fucking Oregon. See? I mean, we're talking. That's right. We're talking. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Oregon is is one of those more progressive bastions, if you well, will. Well, this was very progressive. This is the height of liberalism, right? The Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm. It's a fabulous place for any actor to work. Is it honestly. still going on now? Oh, or are they still brother, doing a lot of production? Brother, let me show you. Show you how this works. Avery and I made a pact. We said we're gonna smoke these motherfuckers. <laughs> They're gonna have to let some more black people in there. Go burn you it all go down. There, you go there now. They got a bunch of us up there. Hey, now. how? Ah! Holler at him. See? Shout out. That's what you got to do. You got to open doors. Mm-hmm, you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Sure. You open. So anyway, we do that. Then we come to Hollywood. Now, yours truly gets one line. I'm living in the Bay Area. I get one line in Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte's 48 Hours. Right. So that's your, is, that one, is that your first that's feature first, first your feature, feature First, film I get one line in it. Let me show you how, you guys, this is crazy. So I get this one line. I'll tell you what the line was. Hey, you! Put that down! That was my line. Wait. You'll see it in the movie. Look at that. You, feel, you feel that bravado? I mean, it's in <laughs> you feel that shit? The hostile takeover right yeah, that's now. That's right. Headquarters. I was just putting everything down. I, yeah. <laughs> I was about to pick up a beer, but then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> real reflexive. So what happens, I get this gig. The, the movie's a big smash. My agent sends me down to Los Angeles for general interviews. I got one credit on the, uh, at least film credit on the right. resume. Got the whole theater repertoire. I don't even have an agent. Mm. Except, I mean, here. Man, I get a job. As soon as the person says, you were in 48 hours? I say, yeah. What did you do? I said, I was the 12th Street security guard. That was my job. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I saw you. They lied. <laughs> and I was on 11th Street. Man. See? <laughs> they lied because I'm in there three seconds. Right. You can't see me. You hear me. And then the camera. You feel pop. it. You feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sticks well, with you. <laughs> well, look, guys, I'm going to show you how Hollywood works. When you're in a hit movie, I probably worked for 10 straight years. Every meeting I went to, John, you were in 48 hours? For about 10 years. That's how powerful a hit movie and what it will do for an actor's career. Because, of course, I'd walk in and get everything. Mm. As soon as they saw 48 hours, they, oh, shit, they went to jumping around and squirming around. And then, oh, now you need to have a little talent, too. Right. But it's that, it's that sense of if you can associate your name yes. somehow... With come something on. that come proves on, come it's on. earning power. Come on, come on, come on. Come you know, all of a sudden, you don't have to open any come doors. You know, come on. You don't have to put your hand on the door. Teach. The door's just open. Teach. You just walk in. Teach. And then you get the chance. Now you teach. And then you do what you do. See, that's how you teach. You and see, then you get on set. You see what I'm saying? Boom. There it is. In Hollywood, it means something to be associated with hits. To see, that's, that sense of success that precedes yes. you. Yes, that sen- it's that sense. Yes. Like we were, we were, we were kind of talking about this last week with with Eric Alexander and Tony Pierre, and they were, they were. It's that sense of uh, a black cast or black leading, uh, uh, you know, uh, actors and mm-hmm. actresses not being exportable, and that like, well, we don't want to. Yeah, we want we want to stake our our international. Yes, gross. We don't want you in there, right? But if you can all of a sudden. Get someone in who gets associated with success, and then they do like, oh, wait, wait a minute, mm-hmm. this is this mm-hmm. is marketable now. We can export this. We owe that to Eddie, don't we? Right. Forty eight hours. He was fab. 
ridiculous. Well, the thing about Eddie Murphy that I remember reading when he was he had that big Rolling Stone interview. You know, he never does interviews, but he was talking about and you know his you know everyone criticizes the family movies and stuff that he does and that he's kind of taken in that track. But he made the point that like if you just I, I think it was him or whoever wrote the article I can't remember, but the his like if you add up the gross of all of those family films oh that he's done, God. it's ludicrous. It's oh like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah, like yeah. It's, it's the most off the charts, right? I mean, there's yeah. no one who and like you and that's like a to, that's like a fourth career for Eddie Murphy yes. almost. He said he was going to be a household name by the time he was 21. He did SNL, then he yes. went and was like yes. a comedy legend, yes. and he was a movie star. Yes, you know, and then he just like yeah, I'm just going to do family films and just fucking stay up in my house all day and just yeah. do what it do. Mm-hmm. But like. It, like it, I, it's tough to appreciate that until you see it laid out well, in front of you. I think I see it slightly different. Well, uh, Eddie, Eddie's a Eddie was a huge, huge movie star when there wasn't no black people doing. I'm saying it was it, the concept didn't exist. Now, now look, there were guys before him, guys I work with, Richard Pryor and the guys like that. Mm-hmm. They were before him. But Eddie came on with that 48 Hours and Trading Places. And Beverly Hills Cops. Beverly Hills Cops. They started making international money. You know how they talk about not shipping black shit out? Well, they surrounded him with white people. So he only had one black. So he couldn't call it a black movie. Right. See, so, see, as long as you don't call it a black movie, mm-hmm. you have a black star. Denzel makes a fortune doing that right now. That's the key. Mm-hmm. If it's a black movie, then they say, oh, shit, we're right there. You got to ghettoize it. But if we put white folk... All right. Look at Tyler Perry. Don't be foolish now. Mm-hmm. You see his next. You see that movie he got out right now. The one with Eugene. There ain't Levy no black people in it. You got, <laughs> you've got you've got Eugene Levy and it's uh, Denise Richards. That's uh, right. Masterpiece son. Yeah. Medea Medea's family something or yes, other. Yes. Medea's family thing or whatever. Yeah. The point that I'm making is that everybody knows what crossover money means. It's uh, international money. It's it's, international it's the exporting, money. and that I think that's the thing that's that like I feel like we've kind of hit on a lot recently when we've had a lot of 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 black uh people who have been in the industry for a while and it's that sense of you you get a greater accumulation of what it means for an entire industry and not just an industry yes. but like the industry that is about representation and image and distribution to say no this thing is not profitable to the rest of the world and that's a fucking powerful thing to break through. It's tough. It's the same thing where you've got the little level of you going to this Shakespeare mm-hmm. festival. Isn't it Shakespearean theater? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the most mm-hmm. classically trained of all. That's it's right. you know, and you've got that's Kenneth right. Branagh, who's mm-hmm. you know writing Thor, and everyone's that's like, right. "Oh my God, Thor! It's written by him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, he? Why would he do such a thing? Whatever." And and for you and James Avery to go to that thing and like to have that conversation mm-hmm. where it's like, "We are gonna fucking shatter this shit forever." That's right. So that so no one be else, no more discrimination, right? So that no one walks into a situation and they have to have this conversation. Right. right. And thankfully, I mean, it's right. it's got to be very thankful for you, I'm guessing, to have yeah, a peer that gratifying. you went through a lot of that with. Yes. You know? Yes. 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 And to be able to look back yeah. now and yeah. to not, I mean, it's. I feel like in a lot of situations, you have someone who kind of has to trailblaze. Like on a well, lonesome the guys kind of were thing, trailblazing right? before us, brother. Right. This never stops. Well, it never you know ends. It, you know, it's just the next it's like cycle. A continuum. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, but it is. It, there's a gratifying feeling though when you go into to a situation like segregation, and you say, you know what? I think we can integrate this with our art. You see, being an artist, this is what I've found out. Being an artist gives me a tremendous amount of power. A tremendous amount of power. Now there are stars. And then there are actors, guys like me. And when the people come to see you in the theater or they see you in the movies, whatever, but when they come to see you in the theater, they know what kind of artist you are. They know that you have gravitas. 
you stand for something. You don't just fall for the Hollywood okie doke. You follow? Oh, Mitch, he pulled out the okie doke. Mitch, he, he we just were got, literally he just, just got introduced to Okie Doke. <laughs> he just got introduced to Okie I have no idea how happy I am. I was trying to explain to him the Okie Doke today, mm-hmm. right before he showed up. Yeah. Literally, Mitch, literally you, you as t- you were pulling up. Listen, Rivopolis, let's talk about the Okie Doke. <laughs> let's talk about the Okie Doke. <laughs> Put it on the board. Okie-doke. Teddy has used the phrase Okie Doke a yes. few times. Yes. And I'm always like, I'm not gonna slow down the riff to ask. Because right. it's always in the middle of a right. like a. You never a bring out the okie doke at the beginning of a sentence. You got to hit him at the no. end, yeah. baby. So uh, works. and then I was it reading an interview. Context. I was reading an interview with Spike Lee today, and he mentioned okie doke like mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Teddy's. Dad, I'm telling you, Spike. <laughs> you and Spike Lee talk the same language, and uh, and he mentioned that okie doke twice. So I told him, that, I was like, I still don't know what the fuck this okie doke thing is all about. And he's like, you don't know the okie doke, and had to explain it to me. The uh, uh, left hand can't see what the right one's doing. That's kind right. Of thing. Yeah, see, so yeah, what's yeah. that's that's the verbal explanation. Now, let's, Teddy let's, gave let's me the visual. Real, let's get a real OG Superfly explanation of the Okie Doke on the record right now, Mitch, right, so yeah, that we can by have all some, means. John, now how did you come into the Okie Doke? Now, what explain to the people out there what the Okie Doke is as a real well, savvy veteran? It had to do with white folks. Mm-hmm. It Always had to do does, with baby. white folks talking out of both sides of their mouth and selling wolf tickets and running scams on people. And we started labeling it. I'm sorry, the we're gonna, at at some point you're also gonna have to explain wolf tickets. But go ahead for now. <laughs> uh, let me try another one. No, no, keep white, going. Hey, I just you white know, folks, keep wolf tickets. White folks later. start putting salt in the game. Mm, okay, it was sweet. You know what happens when you put salt in salt in the wound, salt in the game. Mm-hmm. You understand? How that so is. that ca- sure. that came Boys out of well. some of that, and and actually it started out <laughs> talking about rednecks. Right, right. Okay. Now, now, see, that's the thing. We've kind of uh-huh, like we've Oklahoma, a, it's, right, it's, it's right, like Redneck Island on country mm-hmm. music television, where you like realize the level of white on white racism that's being propagated as well, too. And you're like, mm-hmm. don't you, don't you see, don't you see what they're doing to you? Has been doing to us on like an exponential level right now. But it's that it's that same sense of like, hey, 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 listen, listen. You're kind of starting to realize that we're shit on you. But what about these other You're motherfuckers right, over right. here? They are the worst. Right. You should really hate these motherfuckers. See? They are fucking up everything. Well, that's how they keep us That's all how the fighting. okie doke works. Listen, that's how they keep us all fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Eh? And it keeps them, that's what we call it, shit in the game. Mm-hmm. They keep it going like that. It's been a perpetual idea since. Not mentioning Well, it's uh, Lewis Black is uh, most recent special I watched the other day, and he has this thing that he says, uh, Says, uh, Republicans probably have the greatest uh, advertisers available because somehow they've convinced poor people to fight on their behalf to keep them rich. Right. <laughs> yes. Like yes. they're 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 it is standing the in the streets like they've gone passionately. The Don't take the money away from people who have all the money You're right. that they gone. won't give to me. They've gone. For the okie doke. I think, I think, uh, as right, John right. Wesley has pointed out here, the Republican Party has executed the greatest okie doke in the history of human civilization. Mm-hmm. It went, if we survive long enough as a people to fully chart its beginning and end, uh, the record books will always indicate that the Republican Party, uh, pulled off the greatest okie doke of all time. That's true. They and think. that, I mean, that shit is, let me talk about history. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You get okie doke a motherfucker on the corner, son, out of like $20. That shit ain't nothing, son. No. You go okie doke a whole group of motherfuckers out of everything <laughs> they right. care about forever. That That's is right. some real diabolical right. okie doke. The whole action. middle class. You go, right. you go okie doke whole Appalachia, son? Now, yeah, that was how that okie doke sound a little like 
Rope a dope. A little bit. So that's the flip side. If you, I am, I am yeah. familiar with the rope. If you figure out, if you figure out the rope, you can move on to the rope. That's right. Stand up with hope, down with hope. I know about the rope. But you don't. The truth is, you you learn this. Follow a little box. You have to learn the okie doke so that you don't get beat. Right. So you can keep yourself sane too. You have some awareness, some consciousness. You gotta get some awareness. See, because once you get that awareness, can't nobody fool you with all that okie doke. That's the one thing that my dad always drilled into me when he was, it was that, it was the term awareness. Yes. And it was that yes. sense of have awareness about the world around yes. you. Yes. And, and if you get that fundamental idea mm-hmm. instilled in you. Yes, right. Everything flows from that. You know, yes, because then it does. It's that sense of, it's that sense of informed skepticism mm-hmm. where everything you encounter is like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what you're about, but I can figure out what you're mm-hmm. about very quickly because I need mm-hmm. to, to keep mm-hmm. on moving. And and once that's open to you, once that skill is developed, it, it's one of those skills that I think you can attest to. It never it never atrophies away. You no, know what never. I mean? Once you no. once you plant that seed, it's there. Yes, to in stay. Other words, in other words, once you become aware, and I would say this for anybody. I'm not just talking about black. People. No, it's it's it's. Anything. I would say anybody be aware of what your country is. What kind of system is this? It's a capitalist system, mm-hmm. meaning. It's about profit. Right. It ain't about you. Fundamentally. If you you got to understand some of that to know what's happening in the political. Circles. Right. You can't pro- it's that it's the idea of your whole your prism of of interpreting information if it doesn't have the fundamental level of awareness it needs yes, to. Yes. Then none of the information yes. gets critically yes. processed as it yes. should because you don't understand the yes. root of where it's all coming from. Guys, you got to know, see, the one thing about the 70s, man, we were all activists. Right. And you became an activist. You cats could walk out your apartment or out of your office here and walk out into the street and there would be a rally going on. Perpetual rally. Perpetual like. rally. Right. Neighborhoods would just be and turned so into. You were starting to develop awareness whether you wanted it or not. It wasn't about it because that was the whole point of the awareness, though, was to make you aware to the point that you could not escape yes, it. It yes, was everywhere right. you, you went. You had to become an activist. And bear in mind, we were following, well, we, would the, kill you. we were following the coattails of the civil rights movement. You're fresh out of that. Fresh so, out of it. So, We're, I mean, for things like you, I mean, like as you, like it's when you're talking about becoming an activist and integrating this Shakespearean theater company, that's that's not very far removed at all from watching things like the Civil Rights Act that's in right. 64, the that's Voting right. Rights Act in 65, right. the things that's like right. the Little Nine, you know, integrating right. Little Rock. Now, you know, you, now you're starting to catch on to, you're starting to catch on to a point of view of an artist who has awareness. So he takes that into the work. He didn't just go do the work. He comes into the work with a certain level of awareness. And now, how can I, in my case, how can I uplift my people with this work? That's where I'm operating from. How can I lift up? How can I change the image of black folk with the work? That I do, and is that is that a consciousness that it's you've had since you? Because yes. now, as someone, you know, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about being an artist, and also hear you say that you know artistry and the theater and and mm-hmm. acting and such is something that you kind of stumbled into, and that mm-hmm. that wasn't really you know what you intended to. Yeah, that's right. But hearing how you fell into that, but still found a way to merge those two paths yes. together with yes. your civil yes. justice yes, aspects. Sir. Yes, sir. And it's that. So I guess as you know. Uh, and and this is one of the things that Mitch and I kind of always are, are striving for in this form. It's that sense of just being able to represent people as they actually are and hear them voice that representation. Mm-hmm. So were you always aware mm-hmm. of what it meant for you to be a black 
artist, not just an actor, but an artist mm-hmm. at that time that you were coming it took into? A while. It took a while. i tell you why. I took my BA in political science, and as I said, I was headed to law school. I knew how to be an activist in that area. I'd watched Thurgood Marshall and the guys. And so you understood those theatrics. Yes, I understand that. I did not know for a long time when, and I hate to, I hate to go here with you guys. No, we, but this when is, God moved me into acting, because I was headed someplace else entirely, and all of a sudden I got swept up in a power beyond me. Right? It took a while, though. I went to New York, and I saw. Uh, this was 1977, actually. I saw these South Africans for the first time in a play. And it was my first level of awareness that you could talk about political and social problems in a play. And I went, oh, my God. That was the first seed for becoming aware of an artist's Power. Now, where did this fall within South Africa and its own apartheid and that at collapse? That time, at that time, it was heavy. You know, we were trying to get Nelson Mandela out. Everybody he was still was in prison. Coming. He was still in prison. They were coming here to this country to make us Americans. Listen, man, we had no awareness of South Africa, us black folk here, white folk, white folk, well, rich white folk knew, but we didn't know anything about South Africa. Well, they Africa. knew because of the threat. No, America. they were doing business. Well, there. yeah, I mean, they're doing business there, but yeah. they also knew what would happen if the, in fact, if, that if, they, if they found out. Right. I'll give you guys a little sidebar. You guys know uh, Robert Guillaume, don't you? Benson? Uh, mm-hmm. You know who okay, that is? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. His show was banned from South Africa. Back in the day, because they didn't want anybody acting like those black, like a black man like that. Well, you know, intelligent, articulate, and could could speak with actual to, humanity. With actual humanity, could talk back to a white person. They, right. they, well, no, 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 no. They would have to leave the country and cross borders to go and watch Benson. That's how heavy that stuff was, man. When I, when I, I'm just a youngster coming into the game, I feel like uh, I feel like that to me. Uh, if I may, the, the movie Planet of the Apes. That's uh, what I was thinking right now. Yeah. In that movie, the the part where, uh, God, I always forget his name, uh, Charles Heston. Lawton? Charlton Heston, yeah. Heston. When Charlton Heston finally says, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape, and it's this big shocking moment, to me, that changes the game entirely because it's it's easy in a sense that if you have, if you look at it from the tables are turned, if, if, you know, we've got apes in cages at the zoo and things like that. If you went to the zoo and the ape came up and was like, man, it is hot today. You, you fucking, well, I'm, we gotta let this, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta let this dude out. Yeah. He's like, he's got some shit to say, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I felt like to me, that yeah. was the entirety of like that, that to me was the, was the crux of the film. Mm-hmm. What pissed me off is the mo like Tim Burton from fucking frame one, the humans are the talking. The remake with. Yeah. And I'm just going, the, f- did you, yeah. did you miss the movie? Did you not it's, realize like, it, if you my, flip hey, them, don't be bad mouth my buddy Tim Burton. Now. I will bad mouth him all day long. I was I'm a sorry. big fish with him. <laughs> Don't that was it. That was it. Was it. It was a good film. It was a no, good film. No, that was probably the last one I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I do love listen. that movie. I have it on DVD. It's a good movie. I'm just saying that it seems odd to me that yes. you would take away such a because Powerful it was moment. from especially it's, it's the whole crux from a social it. yes. Con- yes. Uh, context, especially yes. when you talk about apartheid yes. and things yes. like that. 
if if you're saying like uh, it's it's more than just okay they've they've got different color skin and that makes us uncomfortable mm-hmm. if you're literally treating these people as as inhuman that's and right. non-human that's right like in france they used to have uh black people in in the zoo literally behind cages well, they were what, they were aborigines and things like this that that didn't speak english mm-hmm. and so in a sense that was that thing where well it's easier because we can't understand them anyway they're just clicking at us right. come see the crazy clicky guy in the zoo which you'd think i mean it's it's unconscionable at this point but you know well no it's i mean that's it's fa- it's, it's it's very good. similar to I, that, i'm anyway. glad you brought that up because i in college i did a production of the play venus uh, that centers on the Venus Hottentot, uh, which mm. is a very famous situation. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're familiar with that mm-hmm. one, but it's, uh, it's, it's, I can't remember her, her actual name, but it was this African woman who, you know, had a large posterior and they, That's they brought her. Hottentot women. From right. The it's a Hottentot. It's from, mm-hmm. from the tribe. So she's a Venus Hottentot. So they bring her, uh, to, uh, France, uh, England, uh, you know, in Europe and she is paraded around and toured around. And, and there's that whole, uh, science industry that is dedicated to proving racial superiority so mm-hmm. she is you know then people and so all this eugenics the, and such yeah, right yeah, so yeah. But, but that whole idea of you you know talking about you're, you're literally an exhibit for people to view is like you're an exotic yes. but that's where that strain yes. comes from because 200 years ago you literally were an exotic yes. thing that we snatched up and brought for everyone's that's amusement right. Right, and the right. thing about the play it's a it's a uh, susan laurie parks i believe is her mm. name yes um, it is. and she she's it's a it's a very difficult and challenging uh production to put on because it's not traditional at all it's a lot of beats and rhythm and uh, disjointed mm-hmm. uh, dialogue and it's not, such. It's non-linear. Yeah, it's, yeah, very non-linear. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing about it, the, I played the character, the Negro Resurrectionist, who kind of is the MC of everyone, sort of the chorus, if you will, and kind mm-hmm. of bringing things together, mm-hmm. kind of goes in and out of the fourth wall. But a lot of what he says are actual historical documents and scientific, you know, breakdowns and such. And so the anthropological, right. You have, you have the athro- actual anthropological uh, study of mm. what they said mm-hmm. in scientific presentations about mm-hmm. this woman and how it was extrapolated to the exotic Negro species at large. And it was a very, it was a very disorienting thing. And like, I didn't even want to audition for you know it, what? but like I had to get pressured into it by, uh, but you know what Susan was up to? Mm-hmm. She was teaching that in the beginning of mankind, it all started in Africa. Right. And it was the Hottentot woman who had the first babies in the world. Mm-hmm. It branched out all over the world since and then taken on all kind of different strains and colors. But here's here it is. We all I'm, come from large posteriors. I get she, it. You do. <laughs> <laughs> you really do, my brother. <laughs> Hey, I'm putting, I'm I'm sorry. Put see, see, <laughs> see, I'm sitting in a, in a genetics class in uh, 70, 73, and I'm the only black guy in the class. Now, where did you, where are you going this to school? This is the University though? of San Diego then. Okay, you're doing okay. Okay, so yeah. so uh, I'm sitting in this class, kind of half doodling, man. And, the, <laughs> and, 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 and well, I'm bored, you know? And the teacher says, I hear the teacher say, brown eyes. It can make blue eyes, but blue eyes can't make brown eyes. I, oh, oh, shit. I raised my hand. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Yes, John. I said, can you repeat that, uh, please? I'm sorry. He said, yes, John. Two brown-eyed people can get together and make a blue-eyed person, but two blue-eyed people can't get together and make a brown-eyed person. I said, can I follow up on that? He said, yeah. I said, so what you're saying then is that black people had to create white people. He said, that's exactly what I'm saying, John. I said, oh. Thank you very much. 
I was the I'm new checking king. Out. I want the rest of That's my tuition right. back, motherfuckers. I have come for I everything come. I needed. I'm out. I am the man. Now, now listen, I laugh about that. But I was, if I had. That's got to be a pretty. If I had an inferiority complex, it was removed right. that day. That's profound, brother. I feel like. It was profound. It was like an epiphany, man. And it shot me on a road to consciousness. You know, you're talking about awareness. That shot me. I started digging up everything I could find looking for the truth. You know, they call our history, that is the history of the United States, his story, not yours, because mm. yours is in Africa. Right. That's where your history is. Mm -hmm. But we're talking his story. Well, there's something to that. Once you start digging around, you start finding out. We've been kind of bamboozled, actually. Spike Lee. The Spike Lee reference. In him but he took it from Malcolm X. Right. I mean, we really have. That's what awareness does. It takes you out of that bamboozled thing and makes it takes you, you out aware. of the okie doke, man. It takes you out it of makes the you, It's the difference between being hit with the okie doke and being like, damn, they got me with the okie doke mm -hmm. versus seeing the okie doke happening and then mm -hmm. like real matrix like mm -hmm. slow time. And doing enough Guys, to disregard it. You know, we were talking earlier. Okay, so we were talking about South Africa. I go and see, what is this, 82. Denzel Washington playing Stephen Biko. Mm. And he was fabulous. In South Africa. In South Africa. In a theater. And they are teaching with this movie. In other words, there's a way for the artist, because Denzel couldn't talk about South Africa. But he could play a character in a movie that could talk about it. And that's what I do. Right. See, I look for ways, as an artist, to express whatever it is I want to express in that context. And that's what I mean about the power of the artist. See? Artists are very powerful because you can't tell them anything. They're free. It right. is true. Yeah, yeah. I, think the, I think that's one of the... Mitch and I have actually... You know, we, were, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today kind of thing where it's that sense of... It's that sense of what it realizes, what it means to realize what freedom is, yes. and not that abstract fucking like brave heart mm -hmm. freedom. But no, to, no, no. But to really get what to a place that? where you understand, if you can be personally free, mm -hmm. what you can then do mm -hmm. with your own yes. sense of self and your yes. own purpose of self. Yes. And 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 then I think it's kind of like, and this is what I was I was saying to Mitch. It's just it's like uh, we were going back and forth about this idea of. People who uh, who have that freedom and who have always had it, they have that fundamental understanding of what it means and what it represents for people who don't even know what that 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 freedom exists to all of a sudden find it and realize that they can get it, and if they can get it, then who else can get it? Yes, and and then everything else is fucked. Everything is fucked if that happens. Mm -hmm. so, you know, if if and it's a, it's that sense of like if Mitch and I can do a show like this. In, in, in this studio that we have here right now, just two dudes who just fucking enjoy each other's company, just fucking around, mm -hmm. bringing in interesting people to talk about interesting things. Mm -hmm. And we can, and we can build people, uh, or get enough people to be interested in this organically that all of a sudden this thing called money flows behind it. And, and then all of a sudden we have access to things we never had access to before. Then that's a fucking powerful thing. Yeah, it's very powerful, Espe especially if it's two dudes just like us, and yes. they're like, "Well, holy yes. shit, these dudes are just fucking talking around people." 
I can yeah, do some shit like listen, this. You two cats ain't no bullshit, motherfucker. <laughs> well, Y'all talk you. that shit. Well, see, thank you. I didn't come in and found out you guys got some gravitas going on. <laughs> Go ahead, you players. <laughs> under the guy. Gravitas ripping. Uh, gravitas. Ga- gravitas ripping. Well, uh, we can we go put gravitas ripping on the board oh, yeah, right now. Good. You go like there, there. Like like the point is, is that this discussion we're having is is far more substantive than I thought I was going to walk into. Boom! That's how the ripping works, baby. See, that's how the ripping works. See, you, we've uh, we've been hearing working. that a lot lately, and it's well, it's surprising know, to me because it's like it's it's. I mean, when you get down to be it, it really just a, the way that the show even came to be was like. You know, you, when you're hanging out with a bunch of friends, especially like comedians, as as we we tend to do, um, the, the, the God for comedians, the realness comes out so quick. I mean, you'll have a you know, you go to a y'all party, y'all freest motherfuckers uh, out there, you too, motherfucker. Oh, because you. guess what? I'm blushing if, now. If you if you can if you can take something and make us laugh at it, and y'all can take something, be ugly in the motherfucker, and make us laugh at it. It it Richard Pryor was brilliant at that shit. Oh yeah, he was Richard a master. Was favorite, at it. Yeah. Because he could yeah. come out. I remember he came back from the heart attack. Because you take you take the fear and the power away. If you can, if you can start like if somebody's standing up there, like there's kind of almost nothing funnier than me, funnier to me really mm. than than sort of overbearing dictator types. Like it, it Kim Jong Il jokes make me giggle something mm-hmm. furious Kim, because the, it's, yeah, the Kim Jong Il looking at stuff. Oh my god! Which is <laughs> pictures, <laughs> pictures of him looking at things. Is this bread? No, this is this is a machine. That shit makes is me this laugh bread? So is this hard, a bagel? Man. What is this? Yeah, uh, but you can also because do. it's it's that because you can't you can't beat humor. Mm-mm. There's no like upper hand on it. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's like you fucking look like an idiot. And just they're just laughing. Mm. You can beat them to within an inch of their life, but you can't kill the joke. Mm. You can't make it not funny anymore because yeah. it's still funny to me. I mean, I, you know what I mean? I it's think that, humor that kind of has thing. a. If, if it weren't for humor and the, the ability to laugh, we couldn't get we couldn't get through, man. We couldn't get through. No, it. Well, we couldn't. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't, it, be able to, you wouldn't be able to hang. We, so, we, so they all insane. And well, what I'm saying is, in so far as the show is, is you get a bunch of you know comedians together, and the conversation gets so real so quick, mm-hmm. but it's still funny. Mm-hmm. But it gets immediately into the heart of whatever the issue yes, is from yes. from something as basic yes. as potato chips. Right. All of a sudden, we're getting into conspiracies within like three minutes. Right. And so I was <laughs> like, the- you know, that motherfuckers at Ruffles. <laughs> trying to pull out an okie doke by giving him some ridges and shit. Fuck that. Okay. So that's what this was about. Was like, let's get those. Let's get that real and just broadcast that. Because so many of the podcasts I listen to are so interviewee where yeah. it's like nobody yeah. gets real. And you're like, listen, I've heard this story a million times, man. So uh, it's interesting because that's all we were. I mean, it's really just. Hey, let's let's three come together and have a conversation, now, and we're just gonna be recording now, it. You're, you're on, to but surprisingly, here. it's worked out. So. See, you're on to something because there's the key word. I've, I've written a book called uh, Secrets. Yes, know thyself. Me and Robert Guillaume wrote this book. It started out a handbook for uh, minority actors, and all my studies of acting and so forth. I studied Shakespeare and Chekhov and Ibsen and no, no. And all of these these cats. Sure. But I never studied anybody to tell me anything about me. Mm. Mm. So we decided, well, maybe we ought to make that book. But the idea is that we're not trying to give any prescriptions. We call them musings. Because yeah, we're, yeah, simply, like we're simply throwing ideas up and say, what do you think, guys? And mm-hmm. we're inviting the audience, when we hit the road, we're inviting the audience to come in and have a conversation about it. So what's up with you, man? 
and we'll be reading something from the book. And you say, hey, wait a minute, man. You know, I had a thing happen to me. Oh, really? And we're going to stop, talk to you a while, see what you're talking about. And then we'll pick up and we'll read some more. But the idea is to have a conversation. Are you still doing this? We're, we're about to start it. Okay. I like it. What's the book called really again? Like it's this. called Secrets. Mm-hmm. Take a look at yourself. And what we're asking people to do, particularly you, I'm pointing at the brother here. <laughs> Particularly you. Let the record show. Let the record show. Let the record okay. show. Mr. Wesley pointed at Mr. Tutson. Mr. Tutson, I would argue that Mr. Tutson doesn't know much about himself, and he's a very gifted, articulate, intelligent man. But I would say this only from the point of view that none of us know much about ourselves until we actually start to do the work to dig up the treasures and dig in. For example. The way that you talk and you move and you act. See, if I had your mom and dad here, I'd get a real clear vision of who you are. Because you'd be obviously the product of those two people. And your whole DNA is them. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that when people need to know themselves, like, and this is for actors, the way that you separate yourself from the next actor is to bring your own authentic self into the room. Don't bring no phony stuff up in here. And that's what separates you, because you're different, my brother, from everybody else I know. And that's what separates you and makes you the star that you are. You'll never be a star trying to be like somebody else. You're just a copycat, an imitator. Right. But when you know who you are, this goes for the reverend over here, too. When you understand who you are, your, your well, history, now. your family, and you can go ahead and be yourself and be entirely well within your rights to become a star. No, I th- I think that's I think that that's that's great, and I think that's one of the things, kind of like what Mitch is saying, where what's great about a conversation like this is that someone such as yourself can can come into a situation like this, and we have our own distinctive, very disparate audience that's out there with their own cultural experiences, and then you mentioned someone like James Avery, just kind of off the cuff, mm-hmm. and and they're like, oh, wait a minute, I know that person. That's Uncle Phil. Right? But then all of a sudden, now, their entire contextualization of him has shifted once they realize how he ended up in a thing like Fresh Prince as this well-rounded father figure in this affluent black you know, family in this, you know, affluent white neighborhood and going to the country club and having the, you know, heart to hearts with his son and taking in the rascally black kid from West Philadelphia. All of a sudden, that activism of what that kind of media represents, you know, changes. Well, check this out, though. Um, I, I guess we'll riff on Avery a little bit. Avery, don't get mad now. <laughs> <laughs> James Avery was when we were in we were at City College together in the early 70s. And he was kind of a hippie. That is to say, he never hung out with nobody. He wasn't a groupie type guy. And he was always brilliant and always had a book. He was always reading something. Very learned. Very learned, my brother. Uh, But really, he was always broke. You know, college people are broke. Yeah, we know. Y'all know all about it. And since James Avery and I were both veterans, we were going to school on our GI Bill. So that's part of the reason me and him got together. But the thing about it is we were worried about James Avery because he never had any money. He never said he wore sandals all the time. He looked like a hippie. We didn't know what to Real downtrodden. We, oh, brother, we didn't know what to think about him. <laughs> and Avery went and smoked everybody. Yeah, because right? all of a sudden we all knew he was a great actor because we all became a family of actors. I'm sure it was very tight-knit. It was oh, not, we were not very a lot. Tight. Not no, a lot we people. were tight. 
we were the option for the old globe in San Diego. That's the elitist theater. There was no La Jolla Playhouse. There was no. It was just one, and you had to get in. Yeah, if you if you could, if if you could, right? And they weren't hiring us in those days. You had to kick that shit open. That's it. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Yeah, it is. It is. But but Avery anyway. uh, Avery always was, uh, I suppose, superior to most people intellectually. Big old. See, see, he defied stereotypes with Uncle Phil, because all of a sudden you saw for the first time on in television. A big man who wasn't a big brute right. or a big bully. Big belly, but sophisticated. Sophisticated. Big words. Articulate. Right. Rich. Who could turn Successful. it. He could, he could turn on a dime to be very uh, aggressive and guess or assertive. what, guys? Funny as hell. Mm-hmm. Here's, the, here's the thing. Funny. Yeah. Funny, funny. When we got to town, there used to be a casting director, and his name was Melvin Johnson. was out at Universal Studios. This is 1983. And so we went to see him because we knew him from San Diego. He, you know, he's doing good. Up here. So Avery says, let's go by and see this guy. So we stopped in his office. And you know what he did? He, 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 he talked to us. We caught up on stuff. And then he said this. He said this. He said, okay, John, let me start with you. He said, you, he said, you know, you're going to work. He said, because you're talented, man. You know, you got. He said, but they're not going to know what to do with you, man. You're articulate. You're handsome. You're black. They already got Denzel, babe. You know, they only do one at a time. You know? <laughs> right. So, but just be cool, the baby. The dam is clogged. He said, he said, but just be cool because when you start to get that gray in your hair, man, that's when they're going to start responding to you. See, and he jumped over. And he said, Avery, you're going to work all the time. You're going to be everybody's uncle, father, judge, baby. They love you. They're going to love you. Baby. You see what happened, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Now, thank God this guy schooled us, schooled us. So he was schooling me for the long haul. Setting the expectations. Yeah. Right. He was telling me what your long haul going to so be. You got to play the long and game. And don't get discouraged. Right. Don't, mm. don't get discouraged, brother. Just stay in and Pick your spots. Avery, you don't worry about it. You're going to be. And of course, because he's a perfect, quote, stereotype for what they, what Hollywood He fits likes. the mold very he well. He fits the mold. But even more than that, he's a brilliant. Well, he fits the mold and he knows what to do with it and yes. turn it into something very distinctive yes. and very unique. He turns it into his. Right. Now let's go back to my title, Secrets, mm-hmm. Know Thyself. That's what Avery does with all the material. He turns it right into James Avery's material. And we love it. Right. Because we see it as truth. We don't catch him acting, quote unquote. Right. It's always truthful when we look at him and say, oh shit, I'm believing that. That's how you well, do you, it. yeah, and you can and you can see in that role now after everything you're talking about with with an Uncle Phil and the episodes where you know he's got his mom coming back mm-hmm. from the more rural, mm-hmm. you know, eastern mm-hmm. part of whatever, and he's Atlantic dealing, City, right? And he's de- <laughs> he's dealing with the fact that he was more of an activist That's in right. his younger days, yes. and he's got friends coming yes. in who are on the lam from the yes. FBI and stuff, yes. and his, you know the radicalism that the kids are confronting, and that doesn't all of a sudden seem like some sort of storyline rolled out so much as you can feel that presence infusing, especially as the father figure in that whole narrative there, you can feel mm-hmm. that real life authenticity, feeling now, everything. I'll show you how, what awareness does because Avery and I are very much aware. So they hire me to come on the show to do an episode and they called, they called me up in the office, John, listen, you and Avery have been friends for a very long time. We know you guys are close. We've written an episode. Is there anything that Avery could do uh, to cause him to hit you? And I very quickly said, no. 
<laughs> yeah, very quickly. I didn't think about it because Avery's not a violent man. And also, that wouldn't happen. But at any rate, <laughs> at, at any rate, I said no. They said, well, let the record show Mr. Wesley does not get okie doked even by, <laughs> no, not by nobody. <laughs> Only person that's okie doking me is me, damn it, you dig? So what happens? They, they give me the scene, I read it, and it's kind of funny, but it doesn't work because it's got me saying something to cause him to, and it's got me saying something about his dad. Mm. So I said, well, no, no, in our community, you say something about a brother's mama, right. you're going to get knocked out quickly. Mad quick. They said, ah. So I went downstairs, and I'm in, now here's where the awareness comes in. It's a, a, it's a Friday Saturday, I go to Avery's house. I say, Avery, listen to this, man. We're two. I'm a, I'm a child psychologist. You're a lawyer. What are they trying to say about black people? That we cannot resolve issues without going into violence? What the fuck are they saying here? This is the episode where Ashley is being picked on. Yes. Right? I'm doctor. And, and they invite the parents yes. over yes. to the house yes. to resolve things yes. because she's yes. being yes. picked yes. on by this older, larger girl. And That's right. So you've got these two sophisticated black elite families. That's right. Dealing with a very common problem. That's right. Now check this out. So I said to Avery. Wait, was that the one where Will Smith teaches how to fight by saying, yeah. mind yes. your business, that's yes. all. That's, all right. that's right. I remember this episode. So now I said to Avery, I said, um, here's what's got to happen, man. I've got to play this guy. He's got to be so disgusting that the audience wants you to knock his ass out. Right? Because otherwise... You're doing damage to Uncle Phil. You've turned, you've reduced him to Rodney King or some right. goddamn body. You caricature. We're, we're, you've caricatured him. Mm-hmm. Sure. But but if we play this right, and by the way, I got to talk about your mama. And when he, as soon as I said mama, he said, I'll knock you a little. Well, you, you stand up. <laughs> well, I think it's what you, you stand up. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't even get mama out of my no, mouth. Yeah, yeah. Avery said, I'll knock you a little ass out. Yeah. That's how it got in the show. And it's so, but it's so, and, I, and, and thinking back on now hearing you say all that, the scene flows very, very fluidly in my mind where you, where that, it has that great crescendo of you just kind of being like, your mama. <laughs> And it's that like it's that real like uh, yo real I'm too. I'm very sophisticated but I'm gonna pop off right that's now right. son I might that's be in your right. house but I'm talking about your motherfucking mama that's son right. don't think that's right. I don't know where you come from motherfucker exactly. and then bam and that's it's right. that sense of just like but that's and, that's very every look, person and look quality how Avery played it after he hit me if you look at him he grabs his oh shit I didn't mean to do right. that. He spends the rest of the thing saying, oh, icing his hand. Yes. And I didn't. And talking about the ramifications of yes. it. And he gets to wax philosophically yes. about the fact of I had the passions take yes. over me, but yes. this is not yes. the way we handle it. And That's stuff. right. And you get that contrast to the, it's a very famous scene with Will yes. teaching Ashley how to fight. And that's mm-hmm. like, people quote that scene all the time. It's a very memorable yes. episode, but it ends with him rebutting and rebuking all that and yes, being right. like, you know what? Yes. That was the teaching moment. Exactly. Uh, now, when we got to the table read that Monday, because this was a Saturday we had the talk. Here's what Avery did. Avery's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, big man. I'm 5'11". So Avery says, John, stand up, will you? I stand up. Avery stands up and he looks at the writers. He said, guys, what does this look like? <laughs> you know, <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> and I was saying, go, Avery, go, Avery. Because what we were doing were making them shape the writing. They'd written something glib and ridiculous. We wanted they hadn't to tailored it to the, the actual they hadn't talent. Tailored it, yeah. Till we came in and put our heads. They said, "No, no, no. This got to get and get you and put that." 
This is awareness, my brother. Now, I feel like this is a testament to what you've been saying with that sense of, you know, you have the ability to look in yourself and be able to walk into a moment where the script has been handed to you and this is the this sort of archetype mm-hmm. that you're working with. But you say, hey, look, these are the two actual real individuals mm-hmm. that are coming to you before mm-hmm. right now. And there's a, a great history in this moment with a subtext that you can't even fully appreciate that we are trying to lay out yes, for you. Yes, that's right. We are laying out exactly what this representation that is going to be mm-hmm. captured right now is going mm-hmm. to have shockwaves upon shockwaves. So maybe we should consider yes. doing this in a different way. We have, we have their ramifications to this. But that's a very good example of the artist can look at a piece and say, hmm, you know what? I'm going to have to fix this. Right, you've given you me you've given me something to, to work anyone. with, but you, you don't have to say anything to anyone because it's important that the actor understands that he owns the performance. He gets last say so about how it's played. He can collaborate with the director, but he gets to say, "Hmm, I hear what you're saying, but you know what? I don't think I can do that." Mm-hmm. And he's well within his rights, and he's not being difficult. He's being honest. It's about integrity. There you go. It's about integrity. Now, this is one that I uh, that I was interested in, and Mitch and I didn't even know that this was a thing that it existed. But the the Dirty Dancing TV series back in the eighties, <laughs> you you Mr. Sweets He's like Walker, you motherfuckers, Mr. Sweets Walker, show you right, Sweets you Walker. Right. And I got to I I made that name up. You know, in the- oh, could you? oh yeah, you did. Tell you, yeah, you did. In the movie, the John guy- Wesley made that shit up. Sweets the guy, Walker. The guy's name was was Honey in the movie. And I said to the producer, ain't nobody going to be running around calling me honey all night. I don't think so. And so the producer. Honey, honey, this is your scene, honey. Honey, (laughs) You see what I mean? Yeah, now I'm with you. Sweets. Now, Lucky. Hey, Sweets. Lucky. Yeah, Sweets Walker is much better. He's got some gravitas to it. See, and I'm the band leader. So that sounded (laughs) right. So how did this, like, how did that even happen? We didn't even know that. that, So, like, how did you. So how did you even end up Dirty Dancing TV series? John Wesley, Sweetswalker. Yeah, yeah, this is this is crazy, man. Uh, I just want a spinoff series called Sweetswalker. How that shit shit didn't happen, we'll never know. You know what I'm saying? I'd be a big just by itself, man. Look, I I would bring back Sweetswalker the adult years. That's right. Yeah. Well, actually, you guys, seriously, they. All right, so we guys, we all know the movie is huge. So CBS decides to make a series. The producer is a fella who you guys will know by the name of Steve Tish. Did Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. did did Glory, did some of the Big this stuff. Thing. Well, this guy, and well, at that time, his his uncle is a CEO of CBS. He's Lawrence Tisch. And so, anyway, we get an order for 13 episodes. Backtrack. I come in, I'm living in the Bay Area. I come down to do an audition for a commercial. It's, a, it's some kind of um, Memorial Day weekend or something. And I'm going to go right back to the Bay Area. I stopped by James Avery's house because I get calls there. And there's a call for me saying, I've got a, it's 12 o'clock. I've got a three o'clock meeting with producers for a series regular on a series called Dirty Dancing. I said, oh. Did really. you know about the movie about you? I didn't know anything. Oh. I called the casting director directly. And I said, this is John. John, oh, yes, you're there. Oh, good, good. Are you going to be able to make the meeting? I said, uh, I haven't seen the script. What? You've not seen the script? I said, oh, oh, well, I don't, I don't think this is going to be able to. Ha-. I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this a half hour? And she said, yeah. 
well, why don't I come down now and read the script? I think I can, couldn't be ready for a three o'clock. It's 12. Oh, okay, John, come on down. So I come down. I pick up the script. The script says this guy's 70 years old. I'm 34. <laughs> We're totally bringing back Sweet Walker, son. We're going to bring back Sweet Walker, baby. Revivalist, mark the shit down. So anyway, I read the two scenes that they have for me to read. But I get the advantage of reading the whole script. And I come up with an idea. So I go into the room to read for the producers. And I say, guys, uh, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, this guy's 70. I'm 40, whatever it is. Um, but if you let me read the first scene that opens the thing, I think I can establish the character, and then I can justify these two scenes. There's about six people in the room. They all looked at each other like, well, okay. So I did the scene. They all kind of leaned into one another. I've never seen this happen. They did the huddle thing. They did, they the, did the, the hush. The hush. Like, they did the huddle on me. You see? Now they come back out of the thing and say, John, read the second scene. I read the second scene. They went back into the huddle. We need to see more. Yes. Wait, this Negro is magical. Actually, we've got to shoot this thing in three days. Is he related to Bagger Vance? Yes. Yes, I think he is. <laughs> John, we'll come to network on Monday. I said, oh, okay. I leave out. Because they, they come up out of the huddle. Casimir says, you're going to network on Monday. I leave. I, shit. I come in that Monday to go to network. I'm the only motherfucker at Network Day. In other words, they usually have three or four guys. Right, there. yeah. I'm the only guy there. Steve Tish, it turns out, had already said, that's my man. And so I got picked. That's my sweet walker that's right there. And then told me. He said, sweet walking all over the place. His Did way, you have an original name in the script? Yeah, Honey. Honey. Oh, so you were just going to be Honey again. His name was Honey Coles. That shit is dumb. That's what I thought. I said, I don't want to be called that because people will be calling me honey all day. I'm so not... how did Sweets Walker come up? Well, he asked me to make up a name. So I, lo I loved uh, Howard Rollins's Cole House Walker Jr. and Ragtime. And then I knew there was a, a saxophone player named Sweets. I said, oh, shit, Sweets you Walker. You're going to put the yeah. jazz you gonna yeah. put the jazz and the yeah. ragtime together. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah, what that you works. doing? That worked. What you doing? And it was sweet. And they made a big Honey thing. Jones, by yeah. the way, that's a, that's a white intern came up with that. <laughs> See? I mean, See? The ref know what he's talking about. That's, hey. uh, so I he just, just sat down and was like, uh, what's, a, what's a black name? Honey Jones. It's got to be a Jones. <laughs> yes. got to be a Jones. Yes. And honey, because well, you know that's sort of feminine, but he'll he'll rise above that. Yeah, this is all. Let me tell you what. The, I'll go ask my five white friends what they think, <laughs> and they're gonna be like, "Yeah, Honey Jones, that sounds like a black dude. You want to hit off this or what?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what happened there. Yeah. It turns out Steve oh, Tish is a uh, man with awareness. Mm. Which, and, by the way, I just want to point out: if a white gay came, white guy came up with Sweets Walker, he'd have to explain it for like six years. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, why Sweets Walker? Well, you see, now listen. And the story would be yeah. nowhere near as cool as, well, you know, ragtime over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And then they got the saxophone player. <laughs> yeah, I put that yeah. shit together. Sweets Walker, motherfucker. Bam! Yeah. So you're right. So what happened was, Steve, we had our first meeting. And this is why we're not on the air. 
<laughs> well, there's a couple of reasons. We didn't have. That was a good we, start. We didn't have the the star of so, uh, the dancer. Well, I'm, Swayze. I, I, I can imagine. We, we, we didn't have Patrick Swayze. Now let's right, get right. real. I got you. Right. Got you. We didn't even have that girl who was in that. So, movie. like, you watch reboots and things like that happen today, where they are just mining the '80s for everything yes. that they have. Total got, recall. I've got to imagine it's 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 got to be fascinating to me. And you didn't have any really realization of what Dirty Dancing was. You're saying when you went into the the yeah. TV series, but like now putting it all together to see that they tried to make a TV series out of Dirty Dancing without any of the originals. That shit has got to just fucking just be like. And they what? weren't coming to television. They were to be fair, stars. that's all. That right. has. I think this is the thing that sort of happens in Hollywood. Yeah, is for every time that I, <laughs> for every time that I go, this is a terrible fucking idea. You know, it's a terrible idea, and it's never worked. There's always like, ah, what about? It's worked once. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. The movie was eh, whatever TV show, but we, fucking huge success. What, what nine seasons or whatever it was? And guess what? We weren't the first by any stretch of the imagination to try to make a movie into a series. It really happens more frequently than y'all right. know. They just never get off the ground. They That's never make saying. it as yeah. far as I'm you saying. Like, but uh, Steve uh, Tisch uh, wanted to do something different. He told us at the first meeting. He said, "All right, Patrick. Uh, Patrick. I can't remember his last name. His mother was very famous." Uh, anyway, Patrick, you got to bring in the 16-year-olds with your dancing and so forth and all of that. John, you're going to be telling the civil rights story because this takes place 63. So this is how he was laying down. This is how he was laying the groundwork. Before for you even really hit any filming Before or anything. Before we hit anything, that okay. first meeting, man, I started getting excited, dude. I said, oh, shit. This could be something. You're going this to this, be some You're right on the verge of going into the 90s. You know what I'm saying? You this know, is I'm shit. saying this is, this is, turns out. That uh, he, they wrote an episode. I'm show you what. I'm show you how serious he was. On the eleventh episode was my show, and I worked at a place up in the Catskills. That's where I had my trio up there. And I go up there for. I was supposed to be like Sammy Davis Jr. and all these big guys who go there for the summers. That was my job. So, uh, sweet the baby. guy, the guy from the Bruce Springfield band, the sax. Uh, oh, East the Street Band. Yeah, it's the brother, the saxophone. Uh, oh player, yeah, Clarence. <laughs> Clarence was, they wrote an episode where Clarence comes to see me. They won't let him in the fucking hotel. Mm. This is how we integrate it because Sweets goes into action and so forth. Well, they couldn't get him. So they called me at home. They said, John, we couldn't get Clarence, but we've written an episode uh, uh, about about an integrated love affair. I said, what the fuck? I said, ain't nobody told me a goddamn thing. Oh, no, 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 John, 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 listen. We want to talk to you about what are your feelings about it? And we're going to write the script around that. Oh, I said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll come in tomorrow. They interview me, ask me what I think about any. They started to write the script. They wrote a script, handed it to me. I looked at it, tweaked it, give it back to them with notes. They wrote another script with notes. And then finally the producer, Steve, came to me on the third script. He said, John, from now on, you talk directly to me. You don't talk to anybody else about this. You talk directly to me, because this episode was so important. They were trying to win it. They were trying to get an Emmy with this. They're going real they big. They had the actor, right? And we had cast the right woman. So it was kind of a showcase, it basically. Was a, it was really, and they were trying to stay on the air. They knew if they could get. And it was a real short run. It, oh, our brother, you thirteen, guys, and we, we got one out. season, Boom. right? Well, yeah. So thirteen, this and is, we were out. Yeah. So this is we had no the ratings. End. Yeah. None. But that's. That, but, but he had already laid out what we had to do. This guy 
had to bring in the white folks because the white folks made the movie big. So Patrick, I cannot remember his last name. Swayze. No, Swayze. No, no, no. Now I'm talking about an R show. Oh, oh, I'm his sorry. His name is Patrick. I'm sorry. And the girl who's <laughs> well uh, played. the yeah, hot Latina like... from uh, Edward James almost had a show, a series on the air. Her name is Con, 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 Condola, Condola, Condola. Contessa, con, 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 I don't know. That one. She was our dancer. She was hot, 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 hot. She should have. We'd have had a series if they would have went with her. <laughs> Mui Caliente. But of course she wasn't. The, they were the two stuff. And they couldn't get, and this guy couldn't dance, man. I'm pointing at, pointing at Yeah, me. right. It's a tough break, Mitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, It's Mitch. a real tough I'm break. pointing at you. Listen, man. I can't dance. It's fine. <laughs> I got it. Gotta, yeah. You got to wear real now, how you crown of to, thorns wait, right now. I know it's pretty easy to look at me and go, that motherfucker can't think, dance. Think about it. I get it. I get it. How are you going to do a dance show and you ain't got nobody can dance? Come on, babe. Tough break. I started working with him, bro. Yeah, Sweets I Walker going to teach him how to jig. I started teaching him some Behind the camera, off the camera, yeah, Sweets man. Walker, you got you covered, baby. I, yeah. I started trying to, because I wanted the show to make it. And I could look at him and go, oh, shit, he ain't got no, he got no rhythm. There's a larger investment. You know, I wanted him to make it, because I knew. You I knew what it meant for him to make it. You know. But anyway, this episode, God dog, man. Steve Tish was so bold. See, some 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 white folks are bold. They're radical. He said, I said, I had in the episode where I, I kiss her. We do, we do a passionate so this is, kiss. This is, I fuck big. her. Listen now. We fuck. You don't see this, but I do the kiss thing. We go away. Passionate love, man. Yes. Curtains blowing in the we wind. come I back. I take her to lunch. There's a white guy sitting there, and he starts right in. He sees this shit, and he starts right in on that. So then he got me knocking the motherfucker out. So I said to the exec, I said, Steve, come on. I said, bring in the lead. Let him be in on this. And, you know, damn, you got me kissing white women and knocking out white men. What the fuck are you doing with not my gonna career, end well for It's not going to end well for anybody. God yeah, damn. Yeah. You know, he yeah. said, John, listen, you got to kiss her. We're talking about a love story here. We're not talking about you're the one who said it was a love story. I said, well, that's true. Well, you got to kiss her. I said in prime time. So you were more aware of those ramifications than anyone else. Because I feel like this is yes, one of those sir. things you've yes, mentioned sir. Denzel a lot. And Denzel did the Pelican Brief with Julie Roberts. He didn't when kiss the, her. And that would have, that was, that would have been a couple of years after. Way after. This would have been, this would be like early or mid nineties, I That's think. That's right. Way after. Right. But it's that, it's that idea of, uh, of it's still that large cultural taboo. You don't really see. Uh, integrated interracial mm-hmm. couples in commercials. You don't see just, no, and, and, no, and no. you don't see it unless it's uh, some sort of highlighted thing, a segmented away. He's a prostitute, and he's a right. Whatever. But it, but to have a major lead actor and a major lead actress be this interracial the couple. I mean, it's it's it, and not and not be the fixture of why the movie exists like in a, a jungle fever or you know West yes. snipes and those yes. things where it's just yes. it's just kind of like a oh yeah okay this is yeah, yeah okay but so so let's like let's go back earlier yeah. you remember denzel did the movie with robert townsend down on the islands down there and he mm-hmm. was the constable you remember that movie i forget the name of it there was a scene in the movie where he's sitting on the couch with a rich white woman he's the constable and they begin to talk and whatnot and they get that look going you know how we do on camera so they get that look going and he, oh shit, oh shit, oh damn. I mean, you know, they just leave the camera and leave you. It turns out they shot the scene with him kissing the woman. See? 
Then they did a test. No dice. There no dice. They took that shit out very quickly when the audience, predominantly black women, responded, no, no. They took it out. Well, you're not going to so see that's it. The, that shit. You're not going to see it. And that's the thing. I feel like it's very divisive from yes. both ways. Yes. And it takes a strong uh, individual to be willing I'm, to I'm deal with I'm given to understand that, uh, that when it's, when it's a, a, a white chick and a black dude, yes. black women get upset. But if it's a, uh, a white dude and a black chick, white dudes get upset. That's exactly the way. And black dudes get upset. Yeah. That's Why do exactly, black dudes get upset? That, that's exactly the way. Because they're like, that's our women. You're taking our women. And the it's, black it's women are saying, hey, you're taking our men. That kind it of thing. Has, it has historical ramifications because yeah. it comes out of slavery when you took us, period. Well, I, th- I thought what was interesting was uh, just before Obama uh, won the presidency, he I remember reading this article where I think it was Slate. Somebody decided they were going to it would be amusing to sort of go to the Deep South and interview uh, Klansmen and, and white power people and stuff like this and say, like, what do you think of the election? They were all pro-Obama. And their their thing was like, listen, first off, we don't we don't trust uh, uh, Bush. Uh, well, Bush, yeah, McCain. They don't they didn't like his didn't like his flip flopping. Mm-hmm. They didn't like him at all. And um, and they were like, what we respect about Obama is that he married a black girl. And I just thought that was so interesting to me that the Klan, that is interesting. the Klan would prefer look, a black president but, uh, that married a black woman no, no, no. over a Republican. But look, but look, guys, come on now. Let's be honest. We're being honest here tonight. Please. He's not black. His mama's white. He's mixed. See, 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 all of a sudden you're going to deny him his whiteness when you call him black. <laughs> all of a sudden his whiteness is shut out. His whole history is when his goddamn grandfather fought in the Second World War. Right. He gets no credit for any of his whiteness. He knows, he knows that. But I mean, and, and I think that's the most, I think that's... Ah, that makes me so angry. I think that's the thing that's really, and we kind of touched on this with last week's episode, uh, and Tony talked about oh, the this. one drop, right? The one drop yes, rule, and he, yes. and we talked about him, yes. and he looks, he was talking about the whole idea of a stealth brother, you know, in the mm-hmm. sense that you look a certain way, you Tony can get Tony looks like, uh, just looks like an Italian guy. Like yeah. with a with a relatively heavy tan, right? But he 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 talks about that sort of different thing than you and I have, will ever. Exp- well, I mean, we've experienced it, but it's a very different way in that sense of like finding out. Oh, I am black in the eyes of everyone else. Like we we know it, you sense it, but then you have that confirmation. But to then think that you like to straddle the line and not really know where you fall at all, and then to see it happen, and then to figure out like, oh shit, I am I'm very different in this sense. I think what's most interesting and perverse about something like the one drop rule oh, is shit, that I'm real brown. <laughs> is that you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just uh, hilarious that you actually used almost the exact same uh, sentence. So I, I just had to, I had to play. I'm sorry, I, I, but I think it's. it's I'm real brown. <laughs> I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's fascinating in that sense that, like, what what it's really warped about it is that you make someone like a Barack Obama have to. He doesn't necessarily deny no, that no, part no. of himself, but the the greater mass at large denies that part of himself. Yes. And I think that's the thing that's so 
insulting and infuriating yes. about yes. the birth certificate thing is that idea that he has a mother who mm-hmm. happens to be white, mm-hmm. who is an American, mm-hmm. and every day that man wakes up to witness a country shit on her humanity yes. and that entire side yes. of her family yes. and say that that yes. doesn't count at all. All right. we're focusing on That's is the fact that you have to be black. And I think, and I think that is the thing that, that is, that is so just appalling yes. and kind of to go back to what you're saying about that idea of you lack humanity yes. it's that sense of what is so bad about this other half of me that you will then disregard and not only disregard but fundamentally insult this part of me that is the same as you yes right what is so bad about this other half that you see? are forced to but neglect you know, this side see, of me but you see what's happened and tony already hit it on the head when you made up that stupid ass idea, it's coming around to mm-hmm. kick you in the ass mm-hmm. now. You made that shit up a couple of hundred years ago. Like it's it was coming never ha- around. Right. right, like you would never have to deal with right. the ramifications of it. You wouldn't be allowed to now deal with it. Now you're going to have to deal with it. And, and, and because. And you haven't prepared because, those people to deal with it. And because, but guess what? Your generation, your generation, I'm proud to say a bunch of goddamn Especially those rappers. You motherfuckers that kiss my fucking ass. We're going to do it this way. And I got That's what an American does. That's a true-blooded American, man. That's, that's that what American rugged individual. That's right. I'm going to say what Bootstraps. I want to say. And everybody, nah, Pull myself about the hood. That's not without ramification. Right. It's not, it's not to but glorify. It's how, but how it long, is very pure. How long since you've had a, a, a public forum to speak this freely? Who? Me? Yeah. I speak this freely wherever I go, but I don't get these. No, <laughs> well, I mean, the opportunity. I meant broadcast public forum, not so much opportunity like, to engage. You, never get, you yeah. never, you never get questions like these. Right, right. right. I mean, nobody I think would ever go. Here. And I think that's his. I think that's the question. Where's yes. the sense of never? Why, what is that? Your question. Right. This is a unique forum in its own right because this, there's free speech going on here. We've always had it in this country. We've always had radical radio stations right. where suckers could get on and say all kind of strange stuff. But what you guys are doing here is having a free flow of consciousness and ideas exchanging going on here, inviting the audience to come on in and uh, join us for this uh, intellectual discourse. I got to say, the uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a, not a patriotic person, uh, but I saw this article. Uh, I think it was actually posted. Oh, it wasn't posted on the 4th of July. It was posted on the 6th of July. But I thought it was really fascinating. It was in the Dallas Morning News. And uh, a uh, a writer had had posited that that the most philosophical society in all of history, uh, rivaling the Greeks and everything else, is is present day America, and that that we value philosophy and and arguing and mm-hmm. discussing uh, uh, topics and and having literally free speech to just discuss you know the mind and mm-hmm. politics and anything else. Mm-hmm. We're we're more inclined to do it. We do it more again, uh, even Freely. per capita. It's it's, and that was interesting to me. I was like, you know, I actually never really considered the idea that that, that probably is. It's I do think part though, of the you're thing. standing on the shoulders of people before you. In other words, those radicals that I met in the seventies up at Berkeley and whatnot, who wanted to burn the whole goddamn country down. <laughs> I mean, you know, these these hippies. We were the hippie movement. Sure, but you guys sure. are standing on the shoulders of a movement that is continuing to thrust. Yeah, and I think yeah. they, I think we parents, depending on the parenting, didn't do a real good job of schooling our kids about what they're up against. In other words, we tried to make it easier for you. 
we broke down a few things and said, well, we're not going to subject our kids to that. And so we sort of protected, we called ourselves doing that by leaving you in the, with a dunce cap on. We didn't sit down and discuss women, you know, this, this, that is our country. And so some people did. I don't mean to generalize like that. Sure. But as a whole, as a whole, as a collective, that no, did not happen. I don't think we did no, that. I, don't, I, would say I, think, I think it's, I think it's we like, thought uh, the problems were done there so we can move on. Yeah, yeah it's, it was. It's, that it's like it's it's, you know, if you have people over for dinner, uh, you're not going to, you know. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. you, I just finished fixing the toilet. Man, did I have to go through a lot of work. It's like that work is done. We don't have to worry about the toilet anymore. But, but if you're not if talking you, about toilets. I'm just saying. Well, but think, if you neglect to tell somebody, yes. don't hit the handle too hard because yes. then the the main will break. Yes. Then you're fucked. Yes. And that's, I guess, I think that's what happens in the sense of like. I feel of like you did a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, so I think we're, I think from here we can. We can we can move yes. on. We can we, press forward. We yes. can enjoy and the think, fruits yes. of our labor. And right. I think yes. that's and one of those. Unfortunately, nobody yes. nobody stopped and said. By the way, we had to fight a fuckload yes. to get there. That's Because right. the lessons that yes. we were being taught as kids, at least in in I, I come from Phoenix, so we're not oh very my God. not very culturally integrated not at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ! But you're the, a real white guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we like right. to say around these parts that Mitch is Johnny Carson in his prime white. Okay. Uh, I uh, uh, go ahead, Reverend. Anyway, so <laughs> the thing is that the way that the, the history was taught in our schools and the way mm-hmm. that I, I grew up learning it, everything, civil rights, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all the things that happened sounded like they happened. A hundred, two hundred years ago, like an, like an antiquity or something. I think yes. I was, I think yes. I was practically an adult before I realized that my mother, was as it? an adult, could have gone to a Martin Luther King rally. That's right, because I was like, re- that happened because I, I, it just didn't come up. They made up. it sound like it was so they long did. ago, way back in olden days. This guy Martin Luther King, he was a great dude, and uh, but all the black people are free now, and everybody's got jobs, and we're good. So, but but just so you know, that happened. Yeah. But that was the way it was presented to yes. me. Yes. So yeah, very well, much resting to, to on the laurels. Uh, and I, yeah, I there probably is. I just I'm I only think, speaking for myself. And I think myself. that's one of those things where you you start to to figure out the very concentrated effort in places like a Texas, where I am from, born and raised. What part? A Houston, born and raised in that's Houston, Texas. My last Texas. name, boy. Yeah. My real name. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. government name. Uh, <laughs> That's right. My social security name. That's how I get my social security check. I tell them who I is, and this is how I get my social security check. Uh, good times. I shouldn't have brought that no, up no, because I tell good. you why. No, no, when no, I came no, to town, no, my oh, agent God. was the same agent of John Houston. And they made me change my name real quick. No, you're going to damn sure tell you. You got to get that shit out of here. You better some gravitas <laughs> to your <laughs> shit. Uh, but, but yeah, finish your point. No, I, I think it's a, it's the idea of, of growing up uh, in a place like Texas and you feel very, uh, you feel like you're ahead but far behind in a mm-hmm. sense. You know what I mean? Because I think the thing that I always realized about like the activism and standing on the shoulders of giants and such is that witnessing the George W. Bush presidency, I think the thing that I feel like most people didn't grasp is that Texas was the lab for all that terrible shit that got unleashed on everyone. So as shitty as you think America is, Texas is like 15 years worse. (laughs) So if you're coming up 
of age in Texas. This 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 thing that is on one hand the laboratory for all the terrible shit that's about to be spread over the country at large. And on the other hand, this this amazing melting pot of all these different cultures and ethnicities and stories and histories bubbling up with each other and figuring out each other. And I went to one of the most multicultural schools in the land. It was pretty much like a third black, a third third white, a third Hispanic. And, you know, you you had a very diverse population. It was what, huge. what was the school again? Uh, Lamar High School. Fucking thing sucks. All right. Go ahead. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I haven't used that drop in a while. Yeah, that's good. It. No, Sorry. it's well played. That's good. Good, but it, good stuff. But it, but it's that I it's that idea of like you see what happens in the face of the greatest adversity possible. You see how people respond and how they adapt and how they persevere, and you see that on the level and 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 you see what they do in the face of this thing. And when you see it going on, I feel like this is I get a, a motivation for me. I guess very personally, but when you've seen that very intimately you know, what could happen in the worst possible case scenario, you see it start to unfold on a larger scale much more slowly. There's nothing that you can do except for to turn whatever art that you happen to create into somehow Mm. representing Mm. and channeling Mm. and addressing that Mm. in some way. And I feel like that is why a show like this with Mitch and I, just to be very meta once again, can be... Uh, you know, Is riffing meta world peace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shout out Different to my man. Words to live by. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing it with the job, sir. I'm sorry, it's, but uh, I am uh, using ones I haven't used. No, in a while. it's yeah, great. Yeah, it's, I'm it's great cool. pulling out the arsenal. But uh, it's you know. it's that thing of like you know we can we can have a show where like people who are familiar with this show and our audience can be like, oh, you're bringing it to John Wesley. Okay, well this this will be interesting. Who and, is that motherfucker? Right, but it's but it but then what has he done? We don't right, know him. But it's like but they have seen a very eclectic group of people come through, and the stories and the narrative all yeah. kind of share a very linear mm-hmm. path, you mm-hmm. know. And and to mm-hmm. have someone like you come in. And I think for me, you know, especially and knowing the kind of people that I think listen to the show, like to hear you talk about someone like James Avery and your connection with him and how you guys came up and just fucking hear you say something like, we're going to smoke these motherfuckers. Like, I, I have felt that shit so many times where I have, like, had a gig or something where I have, like, and, like, Mitch has, Mitch has gotten this from me. Most of my text message inbox from Teddy is, is more or less that line <laughs> rephrased. <laughs> what is that? somebody <laughs> i mean see. that's that's like most of his these motherfuckers don't even know they don't even know and i'm like they don't even know and he'll be like they don't even know <laughs> what is now that somebody well, it just, it's it's and it's it's what? fascinating for me to hear that you know and to hear you talk about the legacy and the continuation on and to be able to share a conversation like this See yeah. if our parents, if your dad had set you down. My dad, well, my dad was very ahead of the curve in those regards. My dad too. So he, I think he was too. Yeah. But, my dad's but, a racist. But. So I, don't, <laughs> I got, <laughs> I got we nothing. We know where your dad is from <laughs> down yeah, in yeah. Phoenix, Jack. No, my dad, my dad, I'm born sorry, and raised in I'm New Orleans. Sorry, oh, yeah. and well, I was born uh, and raised in Lake Charles. Well, I was born in Lake Charles. No, you wasn't. My dad was born in Lake Charles. Get I'm out this damn studio. Get out this damn studio right now. And we don't even call it Louisiana. It's Louisiana. Louisiana. Lake Charles. Nolans. Nolans. That's right. I ain't never been there, though. You guess what that place is? Yeah, he was, he was like. Remember, remember, I was raised in California, dude. You don't. You ain't no dude. We got to California. He was, he was from New Orleans, and I. Uh, I was born in. So, Booker, ask your daddy if he know about Booker T. Washington Coats. <laughs> so that's where I was born. 
Oh, Did he man. used to hang out with Sweets Walker? <laughs> <laughs> That's where Sweets Walker, Walker originates. Sweet Walker, baby, born and raised in Lake Charles. Lake Charles. Oh, my God. You ain't from no Lake Charles. That's crazy. All I know is that if, know, I ever, if I ever write a sitcom, there, know, will be, there will be John Wesley as Sweets Walker, who, who's just like the guy. You know, like uh, in, in Kevin Smith's movies, he speaks but once, but right. he sums up the whole film in yeah. like few sentences. That'll be Sweets Walker. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like you it. You go to him and go, oh, man, I, like I got it. this fucking thing and this job. And, and like Sweets it. Walker just goes, listen, man, it ain't no thing. Here it is. And he's like, you're right. It ain't no thing, Sweets. Right. Thanks, Sweets. That's and me. you just kind of. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, that's where you go. <laughs> you know what I like about this radio program, though? It reminds me of the activist days. We could we could call a rally now and, and get the forces going, and goddamn it, we go down to city city uh, city council and raise hell. In other words, the point that I'm making is that I I I, I want it on the I'm record. Always, by the way, I did march to city hall, uh, and Teddy was supposed to march with me, but couldn't make it in time. Uh, bus bus problems. Teddy, yeah. bus. Ironically, bus. ironically, the, the city bus didn't get him there in time, but. but but I was able to march for Trayvon Martin to City Go Hall. Go ahead, brother. And, Go uh, ahead. Do your thing. And uh, I don't normally. I I fucking hate protests most of the time. It was a day. It was a I day went, we were going to be recording a show, and I was like, man, yeah. we can't do that today, Mitch. We got to do that. And the bus couldn't get me there in time. But my man, Mitch, yeah. it was one of those things down. where he was down like, for the straight represent. Teddy goes. Well, he Teddy goes. Listen, uh, I can't do it today. And I was like, I understand. And he goes, You understand why? I, I said, I was. I get it. I get it. And I was like, Don't ask me. Please don't. And he's like, I'm just saying it wouldn't be a bad idea if you went. And I was like, fuck. Well, I can't, I can't say no to that. <laughs> like, I know what that is. That's, that's, yeah. that's the end of the show. That's <sighs> the end of like our friendship. This so motherfucker, this motherfucker and all his white privilege couldn't See? get up off his ass. See? You'd have been talked about like a dog. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, all right, I'll go fucking. I'll, but then I the bus marching. sold me out. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Well, I'm, listen, I'm if I'd have known that was going to happen, I'd have picked your ass up. But I thought you were like already there. I'm, th- I'm glad to say, I, I didn't know that would happen. I would have stayed the fuck home. I thought it was going to happen. See that shit? So there I am standing on the city hall. Uh, 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 while the lady's talking, and, and literally, I didn't know that was the end of the march. I thought we were like continuing on. So I'm, I'm, I'm standing on these steps, and I'm like standing next to the lady who's given the speech, and I'm just like, man, this is weird. All these cameras pointed and everything, and I'm like, you know, one day I need to find like this broadcast of me just sitting there, like going, I don't <laughs> Dude, know I what. I can't we're... imagine how you look on the stairs, bro. Yeah, sure. I was singing was along to the songs and shit. No, I mean there was. <laughs> That's what I was trying to find. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that weird thing where it was like, okay, there was the white guys who brought. I thought this was tasteless, and this is part of why I don't like protests these days. Is uh, there was the white guys who brought their own bone to pick that had nothing to do with Draven. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Let's talk about Monsanto, and like, not today. Let's take was, was one this day a off. Free speech place where they talk at, at, at city hall down there yeah well it was a march from uh oh i don't remember the exact spot it was it was a march like two I blocks see. to city hall gotcha the million hoodie march they called it mm-hmm. and so you're supposed to and i brought my hoodie and uh lucky you didn't get shot yeah better be glad that other guy wasn't there <laughs> you'd have oh, shot your you. ass uh, <laughs> jesus christ uh, the long and storied history of races following the oh, shotguns God. um jesus. but i uh so so it was there was a lot. There was that, and then there was the, like, then there was like the the white guys who, I, it's it's like, like they're desperate for a cause, and like, oh goody, here's one. You know what I mean? Uh, I I can't judge too unfairly because I I don't really know their we motivations, the but it just it just, 
I got to know. When they're taking it so personal, but sort of doing the, it was, it was weird. Um, so I don't know. It was interesting to see. And, and I, and I remember looking around and I was like, I'm marching next to probably five, six Black Panthers or five or six people who really want everyone to think they're Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, this is, I'm in the right place. This is where I'm going to stay yeah. next to these guys. Ain't nothing going on. In this. <laughs> and if I stay in the middle you, of them, man, this is my ain't nobody right coming up to fuck with me as long as I'm in the middle of that's this right. crew. That's so that's why truth. I just march with them, and I'm like, we're cool. We're, we're, we're all right. See? So we're now good. the difference between this movement mm-hmm. and... I didn't uh, mean to cut I, off I, your I, whole story I, from earlier. I, but. I, I pay homage to those little kids who would leave school in those segregated areas down there in the South. Yeah just to get on a bus to get arrested when they were trying to integrate people. I mean, you these were kids, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Little kids who are responsible on the front line. For for on the front line and are responsible for my Voting Rights Act, my mm. Civil Rights Act, the only two temporary things that give me citizenship in America. Otherwise I don't have any. Because in the Constitution I'm chattel. Right. That's how I'm referring to. You've got the 14th to. Amendment, which people And you know what? Appeal. They've never written an amendment that's in on a black people are human beings now. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's, I think it's, uh, is it Mississippi with the 14th Amendment? And I, I'm not sure where it is exactly, but they either have never officially ratified it or it took them forever and a day to, like, like very recently to ratify it because, you know, it all got sent to the states and you don't need every state to ratify an amendment for it to be the law of the land, but, I'm pretty sure Mississippi. They dragged their butts. AKA, uh, the Mordor of the Confederacy. Uh, they don't. One does not simply walk around in Mississippi. Okay. Fair. Which I did. <laughs> you remember that story? You no, no. Well, I, I no, walked I through know, a I black know. neighborhood and yeah. that was the first time anybody ever called me a cracker. And I literally thought, well, I'll tell a very quick story. I was visiting my half brother who lives in Mississippi, Purvis, Mississippi. Purvis. Yeah. <gasps> And uh, sounds that's just scary. <laughs> they got a they've got a statue Whoa, of Nathan Bedford Forrest out. outside the town. That's so that scary. that's pretty much all you need to know. So I went to the the local mall to pick up a, a Metallica's Black album come out that day. That was the most depressing Fitting. album Fitting. I've ever bought in my life. Uh, it's like, what did you do to my beloved Metallica? So I'm walking home and I took a wrong turn because I just remember thinking, walk towards the trees. I'm from Phoenix. There's not a lot of trees. And uh, I took clearly a very wrong turn, and I ended up in an all-black neighborhood, which I didn't think anything of. It's not like, oh, my God, I'm scared or anything. It was just like, you know, all right. I'm walking, and I remember this kid out on the lawn of his house, and uh, he goes, Daddy, there's a crack out here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really not an intelligent person sometimes, and uh, I remember thinking, like, did this kid... Not only is his dad so strict that you're not allowed to have crackers on the lawn, which ants will take care of, but also you narked yourself out? Like, why would you do that? I just, I remember standing there for a minute, and I just stared up at him, and I was like, and I went, shh, don't get yourself in trouble. Oh, my God. And he's like, Daddy, Cracker's talking to me or something like that. And I was like, this Cracker's animated. I'm like, apparently I'm a Cracker. And I'm just going like, what the fuck is that? And his dad, his dad comes out and says, Cracker, get off my lawn. And I was like, I'm not even on, I'm walking on the sidewalk. I'm like, why are they so angry at me? Didn't get it at all. Did not. Nobody taught me. You don't walk around know, in Black know, Mississippi. You didn't know as a Till had been killed. Down mm, I didn't know anything about any of that shit. So mm. I was just like, it's fucking, you know, it's fucking mind. My half brother, when he picked me up uh, from, turned out to be the police station. I was about to uh, 
some some kindly old black people uh drove me to the police station good and my half brother came to pick me up and fucking screamed at me for like three hours about whatever i had done and i was like what did i do i literally took a wrong turn yes and he's like and you got a ride to the police station i was like yeah he's like by who i was like i don't know this couple this is married they were like in the grocery store and they they said were they black he did ask that. He didn't say it that nicely. But no, he didn't. They don't <laughs> yeah. use that word. Mm-hmm. No. So I was like, uh, yeah, like, but like, why is that? A, I was like, they were nice people. They brought me to the police station. They did a public good. Like, brought a white dude back to the cops. Like, Here, you take care of him. Like, he's out stray or something. So anyway, that's that's my experience with Mississippi. I haven't been back since. So, Well, yeah. I was doing Heat of the Night with uh, Carol O'Connor down there and we shot it great show we good shot, white we sh- white snake song as well well he's he's a good guy uh we shot it in conyers georgia and so good one deep day south one day i got to send my daughter some money so i need a i need a western union so i get my driver and i said listen get me over to the western union we're on lunch break or something and she says oh sure sure miss wesley we start cruising we cruise up and we see as we get close to wherever this place is there's a whole bunch of cars and stuff and i simply say uh Wow, y'all got a little rally or something going on over there, huh? She says, yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I know another way to get us in. So she drives past us, goes up around, comes back. And now remember, guys, uh, I was born in Lake Charles, but I was raised in San Diego. So when did you leave Lake Charles? What age? Well, I was a year old. Okay, so you really don't. don't, I really don't. You have very little association with the South. My parents said, you ain't going through that. That makes a lot of sense. So at any rate, uh, uh, the woman goes around. She goes around in back of a uh, dress shop. And she says, okay, Miss Wesley, you walk through the back door. Now, I got to, no. Wait. Now, what year is this? This is this is 92 or 3. Okay. You go through the back door here, and you go, and I, back door, excuse me. <laughs> you know, I right, got to get right. past that, immediately dismiss it. And she says, and then when you get to the front door, it's just to the right of the, of the, of the place. I said, okay. I go through the back door, walk up. I pull the front door open. And right across the street of the full-fledged clan with sheets. And no, wait now. I'm an actor. I know they're making a movie here. Come on. This has got to be a movie. So I step out through the door and I look to my left. There's no cameras. No trailers. I look to the right. There's no cameras. I see. But I, what I do see is a group of black men coming on my right with scowls on their faces. And on my left, I see the same thing. I said, oh, shit. I turned around and went back, got in the car, and went back to the set. Now, the whole time I'm going back to the set, I'm getting angrier and angrier about this. So when I get Carol O'Connor, I said, Carol, what the fuck have you got me into down here? I said, goddamn, I ran into the goddamn clan. And he said, John, you ran into the clan? Where'd you run into him at? I said, I don't know, some plaza thing down there. He said, uh-huh. He said, get me, he yelled over, get me two cameramen here. Get down there and get me some footage. I'm going to write an episode about this. Because guess what? He was an activist, too. Yeah. He was a man with awareness. Right. He had done that art. And, and he the night was just an a, 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 a extraordinary piece of art Well, that's, in terms of what I tried to tackle. I, I played a guy. His name was, uh, what was my name? He was a... I, I recurred on it for three seasons because I was married to Denise Nicholas's character and I had been the most important black man in town before the racists ran me out. Right. And now when they come back in, we've killed a guy and I go to jail. So I wind up on death row and so forth. 
But the whole thing about it was he wrote a beautiful, and Carol wrote for me. He wrote all the It episodes. had the arc. It had the evolution he, he, of person. He, the way he wrote for a black man. The only other guy I seen do this was Aaron Sorkin, write for Robert Guillaume in Sports Night. Sports Night's a great show. Well, when he would put those words in Robert's mouth, and they were just, we said, yes. That gravitas. Yes. The way that he just commanded yes. a control room. I thanked him a few times he for is that. He tremendous I in that I thanked program. him for that because he was writing that for this black guy. Well, at any rate, Carol, Carol was my close, close friend and ally. And uh, we was, he was very pissed about that. And he, he had intended on writing an episode, but of course he didn't. So did you get footage of that Klan rally that night? Shit, no. <laughs> got, that guy got the hell on out of there. But, and let me show you about wisdom on the part of your parents. I called my mom that night. I said, Mom, you know what, babe? I said, I ran right into the Ku Klux Klan tonight. She, you know what she said? She said, know where you are and know how to act. That was it. She didn't need to say anything. You're in the deep south and you're a black man. That second part, know how to act. Be careful down there. It's it's See? it's one of those fascinating things I feel like growing up as a as a black man in the south. I remember when I took a spring break trip and I went to school in Indiana, you mm-hmm. know, a small town in Indiana where the Klan is founded, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very radical thing for me and I was going from a big city, there's more people in my high school than my college, you know. And we took this spring break trip down to Panama City Beach. And so we're driving down south and we hit that Alabama, you know, Mississippi area. Mm. So it was my stretch to drive. And I was like, I'm, I'll, I'll drive to the south. It'll, it'll be okay. Because I, you know, I fucking understand how the fucking police work down here. I understand that difference. And as I, like, you know, we're driving and we're coming down the highway. And, you know, we're, we're going, you know, it's, you know, it's south highway. So the massive just bayou or ravine in the middle of it. And as we're going down the highway, there's a police car that all of a sudden is just going the opposite way against traffic. You know, it's early morning and they're just coming sh- straight at us in the other lane, you know, mm-hmm. and we pass them by. And so my friends are all kind of like looking and, and, and they, the car passes us by. And as it passes by, it just stops and then backs up into the trees in the bayou and just disappears. And they're like, holy fuck, I didn't even know you could do that. And I was like, welcome to the south. Because that is how shit runs down here. They will fucking hide in bayous. They will fucking drive (laughs) the opposite way against traffic to disappear into the trees so that you don't even know that they exist. It has nothing to do with laws Mm -hmm. and regulations and everything to do about punitive damages. It is not about that at all. You got to get them tickets. Right. I mean, but it was like it was like a kind of very eye-opening thing where you're like, "Holy fuck! I didn't know that it could be that like straight up corrupt. Like I didn't know that they could but just." The, but you know the flip side of it, though, you're not going to meet more beautiful people than you meet in the South, man. You're just not wondrous, going to. Wondrous. You're just not going to do it. It's a wondrous contradiction. It's a wondrous contradiction. The, 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 I mean, and that's the thing. You grow up in the South, and and my uh, the thing that I always noticed that was very odd. Whenever I would talk to people and they would always be like, where are you from? And I would say, oh, I'm from Texas. And they go, you don't sound like you're from Texas at all. And I always was involved with broadcast journalism and mm-hmm. things like this. So they were right. like, your voice right. has no region, especially from the South. That's right. like an amazing right. thing for you. You right. have no idea what a benefit right. that is. And you keep hearing that and you you like, you fucking, you don't really necessarily, like, I always appreciated what it was, but I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten a larger, yeah. there's more. You know, 
more in-depth historical mm. appreciation for what that really means mm. for all these people to tell me that you don't mm. sound like you come from mm. this place that has these... You don't sound ignorant. Right, which is what it is, yes. point blank, yes. you know? Yes. I, I had a theory for a long time that uh, Stephen Hawking was it was just a shill for uh, a redneck guy who was a scientist, you know? <laughs> Who was like like who had all the same thoughts, but he he said them like this, yeah, yeah. and nobody listened. So he's like, "Look, I'll just get me a cripple." Uh, that theory was shattered when I saw f- younger photos of Stephen Hawking and mm. when he was able bodied, and I was like, "Damn it, there goes my whole theory." Mm-hmm. Um, but that would work, you see. That's how you yes. would want it. If you had that accent, you're fucked. I mean, nobody's going to listen They're to gonna you. They're going to write you right off. Yeah. You can talk about black holes and, and quantum theories mm. all day long. But if you're talking like this, nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to listen. That's kind of true. <laughs> they right away assume you're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so in, in regards to uh, your mom saying, like, you know where you are and you know how to act, mm. is that sort of saying, like... Um, know when there's a time and a place to make a stink. Yes. I think she was more, mothers are always concerned about our safety, man. Yeah, exactly. She did not want anything that, there was another uh, story along those lines. Denise Nicholas played my wife in the series, ex-wife, because, you know, she was going with Carol O'Connor in the thing. He, that's what he was writing, and that's why he wrote me in the show, so that he could make a relationship with Denise that would stretch out three years, three seasons. Right, okay. So that they would become friends and then eventually get married. But they needed the guy a reason. And so I was the setup guy that uh, he befriended her and then helped me and that kind of thing. But anyway, we were eating dinner one night and uh, she said, John, uh, I'm kind of stuffed. Why don't we walk this off? And I thought to myself, mm-mm-mm. Something romantic here. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe let's do let's do this walk. Well, I get to her room and she's got her gym clothes on. And uh That's so, booty time. Well, no, it wasn't. Sorry, I had on a black leather jacket or something else. I think it was platforms. But she wants to do a real power walk, man. And she's got the route mapped out. She's already got a three mile route mapped out. Well, I follow her. I I go with her and I walk with her. Well, all right, she gets ahead of me, man. We're on the way back. The sun is now going down. It's dusk. And she gets ahead of me a little bit. And I'll be damned if one of them big high, you know, only white folks driving them big old high trucks like that on the wheels and whatnot. Mm-hmm. One of them trucks pull up and the guy turns his bright beamers on me and me and Denise. And they stop. Two or three rednecks in the thing. I said, oh, shit. Know where you are. All of a sudden, I'm aware of where I am. Oh, shit. She starts walking faster. So do I. They watched us. They didn't bother us. When we got back to the hotel, I said, Denise, you see this? She said, oh, God, I saw it. Come come with me. She, I walked into her room. She pulled up a ticket she had got here in Los Angeles. And on the ticket, under race, said she was Caucasian. Now, what that look like, this black guy in the black leather jacket following this woman out here and, and the white folks saw this and she looked like a white woman looked like a black man following a white woman what's going on here that it scared the shit out of me because i knew what the picture looked like see what right. i'm saying right and sure enough we we were fine but we again we knew we were in conyers we knew georgia. the greatest circumstances we knew here. we were in conyers georgia we were not in atlanta we were in conyers which was Strictly redneck, 
No blacks used to even go in that area. But that's where the show. Do you is. think she could have helped the situation by turning around and grabbing your hand? No, no, that would have been that would have that would have been a death sentence. Really? That, I would think that'd be like he's with me. It's okay. No, no, Instead no. Of like you're the, following literally this girl. the exact it opposite. Might have got of really moves. mad at her. For, what's she grabbing? They on? hate if you were to make a move like that. All of a sudden, they hate you more than they hate him because you're the traitor. You're the lover. The, You're the traitor, you understand? The, 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 the nigger lover, to be honest about it. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the same point when Chappelle had his frontline thing with Clayton Bigsby, and it ends when he finds out that he's you know blind black dude, and he divorces his <laughs> wife. He, he divorces his wife because he couldn't be with a nigger lover. Yeah, yeah, it's that, that. It's yeah. that yes. sense of yes. they will fucking hate the white woman infinitely yes. more than As the black Obama's man mama. because and that's and that's the whole point Obama's again because it's, 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 you there's no way you could be a legitimate human being and have these feelings for these fucking savages for these less thans for these fucking also ran How come we never see obama's mama he shows her wait now stay with me how come we never see her uh, to be fair i don't think i've ever seen a photo of a president's mom well, I'll you didn't see the bushes all the fucking time. <laughs> I that's fair, but and, that's and only you know because what? of and the them motherfuckers come out all the time. Well, no, well, no, I no, I've no. seen I've seen George W. Bush's mom because she was the first lady. You know what I mean? Guess what? But other than that, I don't. But guess what? I, mean, I don't know. The reason you don't see Obama's mama is so that you can deny that he even has one. In other words, if you're so busy focusing on him being black, you can deny all his whiteness. So don't show anybody white. They don't ever do that. They only show him and Michelle, and you know, they don't ever really focus on like his uncles and the guys he loves. His grandmother, his, who was from Hawaii, and they right? say this motherfucker isn't even from America. And he's like, he grew up with on Hawaii. He went back for his grandmother before she died. Do you know what I mean? Like to show show his grandkids and shit like that. And you 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 can't talk about that. You can't that, acknowledge that, that stuff. Don't come up, man. I met Laura Bush in the White House. I was there. Me, wow. and, me and Robert Guillaume were there. They were honoring him for something. I was with him. Cut the tension with a knife. What a lovely human being. She she ain't man. She is beautiful, dude. Laura Bush. It's one of the most beautiful human beings. Next to Elvis's ex wife. That's another stunning, stunning. Priscilla, human being. was it? Priscilla Presley. Yeah, yeah. I was at a party at Vidal Sassoon's house. Dropping names on you motherfuckers. <laughs> You fucking with me? You don't even know who you fucking with. You don't even with. know what you got in You don't even know who you fucking you with. No. No, but here's what I'm saying. She was talking to this Italian. No, but seriously, I was at Vanessa's house. So, Second so, best segue so, to so, 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 so she's talking to this Italian cat, right? I got a beer in my hand, a Heineken, and I'm listening. I'm eavesdropping on their conversation. They're having a political conversation. Mm. And everything coming out of her mouth, guys, I'm totally agreeing with. She sounds exactly like me. Her this, philosophy on life. This is Laura Bush. This no 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 no. This, you go this back. This was Priscilla Presley. Priscilla Presley. Okay. Mm. Laura was different. Laura Laura has a humanity about her that is it just jumps right out at you. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to take a picture there with her, and I wasn't going to be in the pictures, but put Robert uh, Robert Guillaume had a stroke, and I was there assisting him. Right. He's my brother-in-law. If you really want to know the truth. And so I, so I got him in the shot, and Laura says, are you family? I said, yes, ma'am. Get over here and get in the shot and get on this side of me. I want the two handsome men on both sides. And that's how we took our picture. But that was Laura. 
Her husband wasn't nowhere around. The point is, we, you know, one of the things we do, the advantage we have over white people, we are forced to look at you guys and learn everything about you. Study you, you every day. And you don't learn shit. You don't even know we exist. You don't know nothing. Yeah, I don't know Because they don't teach you anything about us. On purpose. On purpose. And we got to learn everything. We got to learn everything. And then some. And then we some. We learn the shit y'all don't even know about your own self. We know more about y'all than y'all know. We're the greatest <laughs> opposition research team of all time, motherfuckers. It's, it's, no, but my only point is is that they, they don't, it's a disadvantage, really. Because you don't know. We know all you. You don't shit. know yourselves, and you don't know us, and we know everything. Mm-hmm. Y'all so, coming to the competition, and y'all and ain't got a why, goddamn clue. And that's why a lot of times we can read a person just like that. You know, you know right away if he's a racist or if he's funny. Right in, bam. You don't even have to waste it, guy. You can look at him, damn near smell him, <laughs> damn near know. Why you think Mitch and I sixty-eight episodes deep? We sniff it out. Mm-hmm. We sniff it out. We know what the deal is. And I'm talking about I'm talking about Phoenix and Texas. You two extreme motherfuckers then found middle ground. And that's why the show works. See? <laughs> I have to say this, guys, before y'all kick me out of here. No. Uh, the humanity of this show is, is refreshing. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. There's a, a sense of humanity here. Uh, that, uh, that, that we don't, you're right, we don't get a chance to be privy to very often, especially when we're talking on radio. Normally we have to be very, very careful about what we say. I don't talk on radio a lot because I'm never careful. I'm right, always right. honest. <laughs> These are the kind of forums you were tailor made for, good sir, dare I say. Yeah. Well, I gotta tell you something, I did a thing called coffee, it's called coffee chatter. And they asked me to come over and do it and I saw the first interview with the first person and I went, Jesus, this is some silly shit here. I'd be goddamn if I want to get caught up in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, when I heard you two cats, I went, oh, shit. Because you know that, that promo you guys run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, said, I remember you oh, said that in the shit. elevator coming up here. Like, I was listening to hey, shit. You motherfuckers fuck? fuck around. Oh, y'all. I said, what am I getting into here? <laughs> it turns out, though, this, is a, this has been a fabulous interview because it's been because we've covered a lot of territory in a very short period, I might add. Relatively yeah. short. Yeah. Flies by. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a- it's a funny thing of the uh when you're when you're booking people and they go, Two hours? Oh fuck. And you're like, listen, nobody the first said, hour is, takes a minute and a half, and then the second I hour. I would be here like, if I knew I was here for two hours. That's why you don't say it, because people hear two hours and they think, is oh, there, fuck. But it's like when you sit down, that first hour is like a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. The second hour is, is uh, about a half hour. Well, so whatever we'll, it is, you know what I mean? it's free-flowing, it's organic. So the time moves. Right well, the way. the greatest compliment we get on this show is when when people we've never met before come on and they're like, "This is this is this is where it's at." That's uh, immensely flattering. Well, so, this uh, is this is good stuff because it, and I'm glad I got a chance to come and talk with you guys tonight because I like talking to young people. The th- the, the thing that I don't like about older people. Is God damn it! You got all that information. Pass it on, will you? What are you doing? What Don't are you doing? take it with you right. when you leave. What kind of buildings Please. are you? Bu- what kind of bridges are you building? Right, kind pass, of, just pass. What's that your on. legacy? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's like that old. Uh, it's a, I think it's an old Buddhist saying or something like that. It says that the uh, uh, if it, by the if, if you were blind your whole life and then you were able to see while you gained the knowledge of sight, you lost. The ability to imagine what you would have seen. That's kind and of. And so, sort of with age, it's that kind of thing of like, 
uh, there's there's many great thinkers throughout time where it's like, oh, he accomplished this or she did this or whatever. They they accomplished this thing. And you hear people say, uh, and they did it because they didn't know they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so sort of with age, yes, while you gain knowledge, you also unfortunately gain the downside of knowledge, which is now you know limitation a little bit more than you probably would. If you're just young and dumb, mm-hmm. you don't know that. That's like, right. I didn't know I couldn't do this, so mm-hmm. I went ahead and did it. Mm-hmm. But an older person might sit you down and go, listen, you mm-hmm. can't do that. Can't do that you're not allowed to, mm-mm, mm-hmm. that's not happening. We got rules and regulations. We got, you're going to find mind. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, one of the great, exactly. one of the great paybacks when, uh, for us parents with our children is when they have theirs. No, oh, of course. That's yeah. when Bill fun, Cosby. That's said, when yeah. the fun starts for us. That's the because the, the, the kids whoop your ass in a way that dad couldn't get you. Right, right. Because they they're inside, man. They know how to get at. They fuck up your sleep. I, <laughs> you I, know all of that. They know everything about your psyche. Uh, on Bill Cosby's himself. You out. Bill Cosby's himself. I mean, I, I don't have kids, but I can remember listening to this album a lot when I was a kid, and uh, because he was the quotes he had about what his mom would say to him, I was like, Jesus Christ, are all moms the same? Mm-hmm. Um, you knew this is why I thought I was born a small black child, Daddy, because <laughs> <laughs> of Bill Cosby and his mother. <laughs> yes, but Bill uh, was never black. Yeah, you see, that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Is that yes. My influences as a kid were all black. You know, Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, Shel Silverstein. So you know. Uh, Anyway, on himself, he says, mothers uh, pass a curse along to their children. And uh, and the curse is, I hope that when you grow up, you have children that act the exact same way that you act. And this curse works. It works, <laughs> it works like a champ. How many uh, what's your, what, your ages? I have two daughters, but I have seven grandkids. Mm-hmm. And when my other does dog, it come back around like the grandkids like even it back out again where they're well, not as you know difficult? What it is because um, you get to be like look at that look at that grand look at that grand right is, there though, you see that no really what it is about the, the about the parenting business you try to tell your children certain things and they get a certain age and you try to school them mm-hmm. but they don't listen mm. and the ramifications happen now you got babies okay and then babies we've got your ass up. You're going, you, you, they, they take over your life, and now you're no longer free like you were when you were here. Right, right. See, and it's that kind of thing. It's a teaching instrument. Right. Now you can teach the grown-up now because they got kids. You've got, it's not abstract anymore. It's not abstract no more, babe. It's very specific. Right. The grandchildren, however, they're innocent. They don't know anything. They just love you unconditionally. Right. So they're irresistible. So they put you right in the palm of their hands immediately. You'll spend all your money on them. Yeah. You mm-hmm. will take them to Disneyland. It's, or a, it's that purity that just attracts I, you. I took my 10-year-old with us to see the remake of Lion King because Robert Guillaume is Rafiki. So he came. You've done up. some Rafiki things too in your past. Right? I did Rafiki. Yeah. I only did the voice. I do it now if they need him. Because Robert can't do it anymore. Right. But I'm limited, man. Because I, I, I tell you guys, <laughs> when I went to do this, I had got the gig. And I knew I could do that part of the gig. I had been running with Robert for 20 years. And I had been in the studio with him when he would lay these things down. I never thought anything about it. I knew he had a, an, a Grammy for the voice. Okay, so I go in to do the voice. And the guys say, John, we're going to warm up. We're just going to put Rafiki on and let you hear it. They put 
that I put the headset on and started listening to Rafiki and was very much aware, my brother, that I was in way over my head. Mm. I'm not talking about a little bit. Yeah, I went, oh my God. So I finished out what I had to do. I got that in. I got home. Robert lives with me. So I got home and I said, Bob, I just tried to do, man, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Damn. When did you create that character? He said, I said, how old were you when you made that guy? He said he was 60. That's why the character, see, it's one thing to imitate the voice. He's got that, he's got the wisdom. Rafiki's got wisdom on wisdom over the years. Yes. He's got that wisdom that he was born with that he realized and then built upon. And Rob put that in the character. Yeah. So when you try to duplicate that. You got to go deep. You got to go deep. You got to go deeper than you ever been. I ain't never been that deep. Guess what? (laughs) Guess what? Guess what? I'd have drowned. (laughs) No, there's no way. You know how they say an actor can be replaced? That's just not true at all. Even when I look at Charlie Sheen. Industry industry nonsense. Even when I look at Charlie Sheen, I'm not a big fan of that two and a half men business. But I sampled it over the years. And now I went back over there and looked, and it ain't the same without Charlie. It, you know what? For better or for worse, it has its own intrinsic dynamic. Mm-hmm. And to then try and to try and duplicate an art with its own dynamic hey, is hey, what happened when the le- girl left the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Janet, and they brought in the lights? Oh, oh yeah. Aunt you Viv. see what I'm saying? And Viv, yeah, man, shit fell apart when the second Aunt shit Viv came. Fell in. apart. First Aunt Viv anchored it together. You don't know nothing about being black, Mitch. Get on, stay over there. Is it, is it, look, don't pull this into a white black thing. Pull this into it. Pull out of this. Pull this. Get us out of this shit. This, this is a no pop nothing. culture thing you ain't through no and nothing. through. You ain't know nothing about being down, American. Uh, yeah, you well, terrorist. Okay, you better now. You have it now. <laughs> right. I'm sick of talking about white folks. About that. Yeah. No, but, just, you know, the thing that, that, that so we were going to do a 4th of July episode and we didn't do it. So I'll, I'll, I'll shoehorn it into we'll, this we'll, motherfucker. We'll, we'll, we'll do the tease. I'm just going we'll to shoot, shoehorn this, this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Is that like... Is that you had a friend on your Facebook that was listened to our last episode? Is and that he's what like, you guys found me on Facebook? No, we, oh, we shit, found you in the streets. God. <laughs> in the I was street. out there begging for them nickels and dimes. Out there, <laughs> out there in the streets preaching that truth. Um, <laughs> we there was a, a friend of Teddy's on Facebook who listened to our last episode, and yeah. there was a point in the last episode where I was just making a point, like a larger point about something, and I said something that felt really uncomfortable to say at the time. I'm not even sure why I said it, but I just threw in in the middle of a sentence, I'm not a racist. And Well, you do a lot of disclaimers where you're like, I don't want this to sound sexist, so I don't want to be racist. Yeah, right? yeah. And you make it you make it infinitely worse that's, than it that's should be. That's fair. That's fair. But what I'm saying right is I usually wouldn't but he's stop. Got a point, though. I'll tell you why. I, I wouldn't usually stop to point out, because it does sound incredibly weird when right. somebody does it. You're like, well, look, we didn't think that. Why would you bring that up? So it did seem kind of weird, but then I was like, you know what? When you get right down to it, uh, uh, when I said I wanted to talk to you about, I said I wanted to talk to you about your buddy and what you call the blackity black, because um, he's <laughs> Teddy will often say, "Yeah, you know nothing about black people," and then he'll sometimes go, "Man, we talking about the blackity black over here," and I'm just like, <laughs> "Real black." <laughs> and it's like one of those you things, like I, for all the just sitting here, like you know, when we have, you know, last week. Well, it was a record for the show. It was we had a lot we had, of blackity black. We had four really? people in here, four black, three people? black people, okay. and me. Okay, right? 
They ganged up on you. Yeah, just from saying. That's cold. We encroach. At no point, y'all do that. You know, it's okay. We I don't encroach. mind it. Whatever. You didn't protect your brother. Look, I will take. I did protect him. You protected. I sheltered him. I will. We still encroach. I'll take the beating. All right. I get it. I get it. If if a white guy, I'll take the beating. Give him the beating. That's fine. I don't give a shit. But you know, it's it's. It's that kind of thing where it's it's weird because it's like, listen, so much of the things that come up on on just any show and our show included are pop culture related. And so much of it I've just ignored. And so, like, there's so many times where you'll think of you'll talk about something. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is. And it's like, you don't know enough about being black. I'm like, no, I just don't know pop culture. <laughs> right. And I sort of like that's the thing that I, I was trying to sort of uh uh, put into the last episode, and so I'll put it into this one. Is that I try not? I really try not to to look at at things like race, yeah. because coming from Phoenix, I just that you know it just wasn't an issue. It just didn't come up. And that's yes, there's no black people there, but that's why it didn't come up. I know, I know. But that what you say now. But I man. also had what I didn't. I didn't grow yes. up. I didn't grow up in a in like a, a racist. Surprisingly, despite my yes. father, yes. Uh, I didn't grow up in a house where it was like they're black people and you're yes. white people. Yes. And uh, because I was never Did sort you of grow up in a house like that. No, me neither. I don't know. I mean, uh, thankfully, we all came well, from that. What I'm saying is when that... When we grew up with some awareness, though. We grew up with Is that, like, uh, when it comes to, like, racially dividing, uh, mm-hmm. as it comes to this show specifically, it's always come not from me. So okay. I'm just, you know, well, it's I uncomfortable think, for me where I'm like, look, I look, look, literally look, just look, trying look, to have a conversation ahead, and how many say, times it comes up where it's like, say, listen, you white people. And I'm like, oh, mother, why do I have to be whenever, relegated to whenever, that? Whenever we have... This is this is this is this is a, an idea. All right, go for it. Our country is so it's a it's you know race is a conundrum. You know what that word means? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and so, it is. It's, so we we can't seem to get as around. Obama famously said, "It's a complex issue." Well, I just call it a simple conundrum. We just it can't is. figure out what the fuck we're doing with it. Yeah. Here it is. We're all human beings. Everybody know that. Yeah. Everybody know we function biologically the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody know that. Everybody know we're only culturally different. That's the only difference. Now, we have some physical characteristics. But the fact of the matter is we fuck the same. We sure. piss the same. Well, actually, no. We Black sit on the fuck toilet way the louder. We're very quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So. We're a little bigger. Yeah, you but guys everything's are, a little you're bigger. You're very louder. But, 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 but here's my point. That we can't seem to. <laughs> Robert and I were reading from our Just book. Just looking at Teddy when I say, and that. we were trying to choose a white pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Good oh, Lord, yeah. Mitch. So we were tra- <laughs> we were trying to um, make a point about something that was sort of pro-black, but we had white people in the audience because our audience was mixed. So Robert stopped in the middle of the reading and said, and said to the audience, to the white folks, "Now listen, white folks, don't take this the wrong way." And he explained to them what we were saying. Sure, sure. And of course, they were relieved because they didn't know they were going in the wrong direction. And he straightened them out and they were, oh, thank God. We, we thought he was talking about us. And we were trying to say that everything in about you, we were talking about 
Right. Which, and I think that's the thing where, like, to, to Mitch's point that he's saying whenever, you know, and I, and I always mention something about, you know, like, oh, the, the, the blackity black. Yeah. If you will. The blackity black. And, and, and things about how, like, well, you, you don't know. The school. Well, like, you don't know nothing about the blackness. And he's like, well, I don't know about pop culture. And I feel like, and like I was telling you before, we've had the long running joke on the show about everybody knows something about being black, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the couch or whatever quadrant we set it in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do well, I, I need to get like a white part of the tablecloth that drapes over don't just you my dare get no, Don't you dare get no white tablecloth in this. <laughs> but it's, it's, and Mitch and no, I'm saying, saying like just for this half. You so you can be no like, anybody half. on the black side of the table is knows something about being black. I dare you to put the Mason Dixon in this yeah. bitch. All right. But it's that, it's that, and Mitch and I have talked about this before where it's like the thing that so amuses me about that is, is like the reverse arbitrary nature of it. Do you know what I mean? And it's that sense that we're like on Mitch's side, he's like, well, I don't know anything about pop culture. And on my side, I mean, like, bitch, we are pop culture. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's like, it's a thing yes. of like, you don't, you can't just deny what our element of pop culture is because in order to acknowledge it, they're like, okay, you are part of popular culture. Mm-hmm. Then you have to acknowledge this great, uh, iceberg under the surface and that's that's why I always I love the iceberg theory where you only see a fraction of the yes. iceberg above the surface but the vast majority of the iceberg exists under the surface and that's what it is to have black representation in pop culture where you see someone and you go oh this is making me think very differently. But then you go under the surface and you hear things about a James Avery and a John Wesley and the activism behind art. And you hear about a Denzel doing representations in South Africa. And you hear about how apartheid factors into shows like that. And it's that sense of where you can, you, it's that difference between being like, well, I don't know about pop culture. And like the other side is being like, we are trying to get into pop culture to show you that we can be a part of pop culture. And we have been a part of pop culture. You just haven't allowed our faces to be in pop culture. Oh, I also don't know anything about being black. I mean, I'm not... Well, guess what? I'm not denying <laughs> that I also... You do, though. You do, though, Mitch, and that's yeah. what the I'm, whole point is. I'm learning is. a lot about it just doing this yes. show. Admittedly, yes. a lot yes. of things I was like, that's a black thing? But like, guess that what, kind of Rev, stuff. That's but, what's so you know. beautiful about this show, man. This is what I've discovered tonight. Because guess what? We can't fix a goddamn thing till we talk about stuff. Absolutely. And yeah. in this country, yeah. there's a real problem. You remember when Clinton said, let's talk about race? When he was president, he said, let's go around the country and let's everybody get together and talk about it. That shit fell flat on yeah, its face, That man. shit to death. That what shit didn't that? even get off the ground. There was a man. TV show, and I don't know what the fuck. Didn't even get off the ground. There was a TV yes. show where they did a, they did a scene on like a talk show, like a, like a, a Springer, uh, uh, maybe Oprah, where it's like people on a panel and people in the audience. I don't remember what the show was, mm-hmm. but there was a thing where it was like, um, what should we call black people was the, was the, subject of the talk show that was inside of another sitcom and it was all these black women that would stand up and have their own opinion get very loud and then part of the audience would be like yeah and then another person would stand up and and refute that point yeah and it was one woman was was like uh i don't want to be called african-american i want to be black and proud yeah and then a woman was like you don't get to call me black and it was like black is like oil and it was this weird, uh, I don't know, it was probably during that time. And it was this interesting thing where I watched it. And I was like, really? That's, is that a, just, is that a debate we're having? Like who calls who what and all this different stuff? That comes from, uh, when, and it's still when around. We were slaves, they started making up all kinds of names to call us and what we were. You couldn't justify the existence of it. Because, kept changing again, it, well, comes, because it, it comes back to yes. the, it comes back to the, the, the Planet of the Apes thing. You it's, can't, it's, you, you, you go over to Africa. 
speaking a totally different language. Like, look, I don't know what you guys are saying. You so you're not even human. You and you look different. Yeah, right. You look different and you talk different. So you don't. That ain't quite I how it no went, way. I'm not saying it is. Well, no, 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 listen, Riff. Because I, <laughs> I got a theory. Please, please. Give me a theory. Because you think about it now. Right. Them white folks was a, it was a Spanish the, the the guys who first came into Africa the, the guys who first came into Africa he was talking earlier about hot and tot women right, that's really right, women right. with the most beautiful asses in the world that's really what a hot and tot woman is we see them all the time Beyonce is a hot and tot sure. woman so what happened was these white folks come in out that cold ass water that cold region out there and they pull into this exotic island and these sisters are wearing little leaves over their titties nothing over their ass now god damn it if that don't make you crazy and insane i don't know what to tell you i couldn't take it myself i'm a black man if i run into that my dick is going to run all over the place with me when i'm looking at these gorgeous black stunningly beautiful I got to have that. Grant, and you haven't been on the Now, ship. wait now. The brother said, the brother saw the white folks. So, oh, look at all oh, poor babies. Y'all come on in here. We're going to feed. Get some food here for these cats. Look, get some soap and whatnot. They need to clean up. And y'all ain't had no pussy, did you? Get, yeah, get them some pussy. That's the kind of people we are, my brother. That's, got, that's our nature. And you get wiped we out invite, by smallpox. And then that's what happened. We didn't know. The guys got in there. Shit, they got comfortable with this shit. I could live like this forever. Then the next thing you know, we got the religious people coming up in there. Then after them come the army. Then you got your slavery. So I can own these bitches. I can own them. Lock, stock, and barrel. Don't dream about them no more. That's true. Religious people show up around a bunch of naked people living and smiling, and they got to put a stop to that shit real quick. That don't happen. Hang on. And I'm saying this from a human point of view. I was coming up Wilshire Boulevard on San Vicente one night, and it hit me like an epiphany. Sister's trying to cross the street, and she's got on some of them skinny jeans. Now, her ass is too big for them jeans. You know, they don't, sisters can't get in them little skinny shit. Nonetheless, so her butt is bubbling up over the top of them jeans, sexy as hell. And I'm, and that's when it dawned on me. God Am damn. I supposed to be going word and I hear God that brother and all damn. that? Damn. I see what happened when the white man saw that shit. He lost his motherfucking mind. He still ain't got his mind right ever since he's been there. He's, that's, and that's what race. That's that, that right at the center of race is right there. Right where them women and them men mixing. And you know, we all mixed up in America here. We are all mixed up. Since the beginning. There ain't no white people really hardly in America. They're mixed, but they go into denial on it. Well, that's the same thing you bring it back to Obama's mother. Right. You have to deny. Go into denial. You can't deny the fact that your whole history is based on a a group of people that went down to the old uh, plantation where the slaves were and just raped when they wanted to. They owned it. There's probably there's no brought raping. It, and then brought, I in, own the, this. brought in the good-looking children to live in the house and, and pass them off as one of their own and left the other ones to just go ahead and be slaves and sell them off or Well, whatever. actually, you know, our president didn't do that. He made all them babies with Sally and then, you know, buried them in the pauper's grave. He never did a fucking thing for them, you know. 
Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, we, you know, he fucked that shit all up. Yeah. But but they but that was his property. So he well, Thomas Jefferson had a yeah, lot. Of, he, he had a, Thomas Jefferson's history with his with Sally Hemings is its own very distinctive. Yes, it is. Chapter in America. It actually history. was a love story. It was a beautiful love story. You know, I mean, the, yeah. But the baby. But but it is representative so much of 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 where you go. You go a couple hundred. You go a couple centuries away, mm-hmm. and and how that immediacy mm-hmm. of realizing that the people who are running the country Reverend and leading said the country. It he talked about. He didn't even know his mom was in the civil rights movement. I mean, she could have been right in it. That's how close the shit is. Right. I'm two generations or three from slavery. John Wesley is. Right. He understands that very clearly. And if it don't be for, I think I have to be honest. If it's not for the civil, or the civil rights and the Voting Rights Act, brother, you don't have any. We got rights. nothing. You got nothing. nothing. We got nothing. You see what I'm saying? And you've got people who you know. I, what I gotta, I gotta say, up until that, uh, up until that discussion, when you had earlier, you said what makes me a legal American as a black man is, a, is, a, is the voting rights. Uh, up until that sentence, I never quite understood why Teddy got so angry about driver's licenses for uh, mm-hmm. voting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I get it. Now. Well, and, yes. and it's a different because see, I don't know this shit. Right. And it's one of those things where I've had, I've had, I've had acquaintances say things like, you know, Ron Paul to take a very specific example, and his voting against the the the, the, the you know the Civil Rights Act of '64 when he was still in Congress mm-hmm. when it came up for his mm-hmm. you know sort of remembrance. And I've had acquaintances say that's just a little bit racist. And you know, of course, they're white men. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that difference between being like, do you have any fucking idea how clueless you are to tell me that su- that voting against the Civil Rights Act in 1964 is just a little bit racist? Mm-hmm. You have no idea how fucking ignorant you are in the grand scheme of your life and how grossly privileged your existence is mm-hmm. that you would dare... Tell me that such a move is quote a little bit racist. Mm. You could go just just die in your ignorance. It is so vast you would drown in it before you ever reach the surface. Well, you have to school him. See, 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 that's the thing though. If you guys and me myself included, if we develop some awareness, we've got to pass it on to the people who don't have any. And we can't be mad at them because they don't have it. We all were programmed to be stupid. I you think are, all of us. Uh, well, <laughs> really? Less, uh, less stupid and more just kind of inquisitive. But when you when you when you have that that natural uh, inquisitiveness, mm, and the world around thing. you has been built to fill you with propaganda, yes, because people and you get angry because about the, it too. because the elites can't handle the truth, yes, the fundamental truth, or don't want the truth to get out. Right? Then then you you become you become mad. Because mm-hmm. the things that you mm-hmm. are naturally inquisitive about drive you crazy because yes. they're designed that way. Because not only that, when you start getting that awareness you were talking about, I remember going to my father. He's a brilliant guy. Talk to me about every everything, man. Except, except, yeah. except, except race. No. Now I don't know about you, uh, Reverend, but in my house we were raised. There was no color with people. Because I was raised, remember, I'm a Na- I didn't tell you guys this, but I'm a Navy brat. My father was in the you Navy. You went to Vietnam, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. But my father was in the Navy. He's World War II vet. And that's how we got wound up in San Diego, the Naval Training Center. He was in uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. The base there. So all of my young life, I lived in an integrated environment. There were white people. Because we were all brats, Navy brats. So, so there were white folks and black folks and Mex- Filipinos and 
we all lived in the same place. I didn't, right, right. I didn't know a fucking thing about racism or race until about, I don't know, I was in seventh grade and eighth grade. My mom and dad split up. And we had to move out of the naval projects into the ghetto. And that's when I first started to develop some awareness that we were somehow different. My, same well, the thing my best you... friends were white. I had, I, I beat your ass about my white partner, Don, Don Woods. This was my partner growing up. We didn't know anything about shit like that. Well, kids don't know anything. Kids don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's and a then at thing. a certain point in our lives, we come to awareness. And I think, uh, oddly enough, and I, I can't figure out if it's a good thing or a bad thing, it just literally never came up in my house. Like, I, I can't remember ever having a discussion about race of all of, of any kind in my house we didn't have a discussion about race ref but what my father told me was there was no difference between us he said That's they're good. gonna That's be good. the other thing he told me was this this was beautiful he said they're gonna be people running around talking about independence all the time son he said you know if you were truly independent you'd live on an island you'd produce your own electricity grow your own food we are totally inter dependent upon one another mm-hmm. we told we are totally interdependent upon one another and the minute somebody thinks we're not they're they're they're, they're lost they've shown themselves they've shown themselves that and that's the philosophy because he was talking about on a bigger level we have to figure out how to get along yeah right, yeah right, yeah absolutely green, whatever. Sure, we sure. got to figure this shit out or we will die as a race no it's man like, is an island like under greeks. himself yeah it's like them greeks this motherfucker will go down too. From it will Already implode from down. the inside. That's why these conversations are important. Sure, they, sure. They, they, they're just designed to turn some light bulbs on, start a couple of epiphanies, get some things going. Oh shit! So he begins to challenge and question the system. Start to take a look, turn over a few rocks, and then you begin to find out what's your purpose for being here. If you're a spiritual person. You'll come to some awareness that God is using you in a very specific way. You you will come to that if you if you're a spiritual person. Well, either way, you find out your sense of purpose. Yes, and, 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 if you're looking, right? And it's a, and, and and even even on a more micro level than that, it's just a greater sense of understanding yourself and who you are as a mm-hmm. human being and what you have to offer mm-hmm. and how you can offer that in the greatest mm-hmm. spectrum possible for the greatest yes. good. Yes, for the greater good. Yeah. So it's been it's been fantastic. To yeah, have you yeah, we're and, uh, we're a little over, but it's okay. Riffin headquarters. You motherfuckers and talk me over two hours. <laughs> we got you, John. Two and a half hours. You two slick motherfuckers. He put you on the bowl for that man. shit. Yeah, Boy, yeah, y'all yeah. something else. This was beautiful. What am I going to do? Cut you off and be like, listen, you're making great points, but we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you're building yeah, a lot of bridges yeah, right now. That? Hey, John, no, you're so running that. your mouth too much. Get yeah, the fuck out. I would never know. Uh, because look, uh, it doesn't matter how, I mean, frankly, you could go for six hours. It's just the problem is that somebody might see that episode and go, six hours? No, I don't have that kind of time. Are we on TV? So it's it's fine. People download it. They they listen to it in their car or at work or whatever the they fuck. Get, they so get wisdom two hours, in bits you know, and bits We find well, two hours is good. One hour is not enough. You Three hours is a bit too much. So uh, two true. hours we is about just right. Warming up, wasn't we? Right, you just hit your stride right now. now. Yeah. Uh, John, what can we plug for you? What do you want? Where do you want people to check well, out? I what did, you got I going did on? A movie last year called. It's with Isaiah Washington, uh, Keith David, Lou Gossett Jr., Vanessa Bell Calloway. Bill Cobbs, uh, there's a few others I can't name. Melinda Williams, I think her name is. It's a piece called The Under Shepherd. And I guess they're trying to get it released now. And it's kind of based on the corruption in the black church. 
Mm. Isaiah, good title. Very good title. Isaiah is the is the corrupt. There's a lot of that. So that, can that, they, that, how that can, prosperity is that, is that on Netflix? Is that on no, DVD? That's, What's that? No, they haven't. They we I saw it at the uh, Black Film Festival last year. Hasn't been released yet. It has. They haven't. They haven't got a, a dis- distributor. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, but it's a wonderful movie. But the thing I suppose I really want to plug is the book that Robert and I are going to be. We're trying to get published now. Uh, it's a book of when 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 it it reminds me a little bit of for those of you who are philosophers, it's a little bit like a Plato sitting down with Aristotle, because it's a book where I ask him what I call dumb actor questions, and we get his answers. And so what you get is a, 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 let's say an intelligent person asking a wise man a question. So his answers are expansive. So if I asked him, for example, about you, T, and I said, this guy wants to be an actor and so forth, and he'd say, well, T could do this, and he would answer it so that it would include the reverend. Some high-level shit. Well, the reverend would listen and say, shit, that shit applies to me. I can use that. That's our book. And so it's, it's almost is, like a dinner called, with Andre. It's called, it's called my dinner Secrets. With Andre. Secrets. Take a look at yourself. And of course, all we're doing is encouraging people to believe in yourself. You are somebody. And what we want to do is start in the South with the book. We want to go to the deep that's South, great idea. where the people are hungry for ideas, starved. I mean, it's a different world. It's a they? different world. I mean, it's, some, it's some dark ages shit. But yes. We want to bring some light into the dark. It's a re-enlightenment that basically needs to happen for the South, mm-hmm. essentially. A renaissance. But when you're dealing, again, with Robert Guillaume, what happens is his following is he's 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 he he crossed over. He's very know, transcendent. He, brother, brother, the people that come to him when we're out in the world come from all over parts of all the walks world, of life. All walks of life, and they be all colors. that is what the definition of transcendent yeah, is. For and that's what he yeah. has done, yeah. and he's trying to. I tell you what, he's trying to do. He's trying to leave us a legacy of ideas before he. Leaves the earth, he is, he is. and I got them in this book. That's good great. shit. Good shit. That's great. I like so it. God is great. God is good, but He has left us some gems. And when the people heard us, we did a reading of the book over at SAG. We're in the archives there, and we started to read. And people who were there, when they came out of the reading, said they had never heard anything. When you get a celebrity to really talk about art and open acting, up. Yeah, they don't talk about it. They well, tell I mean, you about it's the, same, it's the same thing uh, that we've had tonight, where you, yeah, yeah. you open exactly. up about art and what well, art is and your you transformation. It's you know the same what? principle. That's the principle. And that's what he does. But he does it even bigger and better than me. Greater scope. Well, yeah. He's, like I said, I was way over my head with Rafiki. Right. My point only being is that the book, and I can't wait till we get it out, because we think we can make a difference. We think we can lift people's spirits and if it applies to you so be it if it doesn't apply kick it out we don't pass it on we, yeah, we yeah. don't we don't really care We're yeah, as long as it is out there ideas. as a thing that exists and for we people just want to come across and we want to stimulate you to use your brain a little bit right that's all Good shit, go. good shit. Is there anywhere uh, else you got a website or anything what you got i have a website jwesley.com Go there and uh, dot com, and I've got a website over there. So if you want to 
You're going to be surprised when you go over there and see me in these varying things. <laughs> you know, I'm the barber over there with Mr. Jim and Martin. Yeah. That's one of my roles. And the only reason I took that role was because I had a teenage daughter who came in and saw the script. And I had already told the agent I was going to pass on it. I didn't think that, you know, hip-hop show. I didn't think. Uh, Mitch loves Martin. 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 I, I love him, too. <laughs> I love him. I tell you why I love him. He's a good, good young man. But look, my daughter comes in and she God says, damn, and I'm going to start talking, but she comes in and she sees the script and she says, Dad, Dad, are you reading for Martin? I said, yeah, well, I don't know, honey. Oh, no, Dad, you have to do that. I said, why is that, honey? She said, that way the young people will know you, Dad. You do all those old shows, uh, you know, but that's the hippest young show on television. Spans it out. And of course she was right. I went over and did the show. And Martin, Martin Lawrence, most people won't know this about him, but the way that he honors and respects his elders is he and P. Diddy, there's a couple of these cats, man, that I'm really impressed with. Their parents did a fantastic job with them, although their public image seems totally different. Very grandiose. Very Well, large. they put that out there, right? that big act. Mm -hmm. But when you meet them in person, like you take Diddy, He's like me. He went to Catholic school when he was a kid. He's got values. There's no cursing on his sets. The women were not running around naked and no smoking reefer around the set and shit like that. That I was shocked. Because when with P. Diddy, we're making a music video. What's video. the most monetarily profitable image that you can put out there versus what you can get away with? Kind of. Martin Lawrence is one of these cats who uh, we were doing an episode and Lou Rawls was on the on the episode and this was at the time when he and Tisha were breaking up and he was very depressed and what they had done with us then was I'd have to shoot my stuff separate with Tisha and he wouldn't allow it on the studio lot and then when Tisha finished and left the lot he could come on and we would shoot his stuff so he was, he was heartbroken because he loved her he loved her deeply really and I don't—I mean, more than plutonic, really. Right. Um, at any rate, um, so this day he was—we had some background players over there, and they said something. And Martin looked and said, "Shut the fuck up, you motherfuckers!" or whatever the fuck he said. To, and look, but he looked in our direction, and Lou Rawls looked at me. He said, "What is he? Let's go." He, Lou was getting ready. To, I grabbed Lou. I said, "Lou, no, 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 no." It was classic. Man. I said, "Lou, no, no, no." He would never, never, ever talk to us like that, man. He's not talking to us, Lou. Let that go. And Lou kept going with it because he it was in this direction. So sure enough, about 10 minutes later, Martin walks over to us. He said, Mr. Wesley, Mr. Rawls, I was not talking to you, and I apologize if you thought I was. I was not. I just, I just, I'm just out of it today, and I'm sorry if you. And I looked at Lou, kind of winked at him, because I had come to know Martin. I'd been with him for two seasons. You, you, you had, you I already knew. You experienced a bit he of the art. He was totally out of character. Right. He would never talk to anyone. Which like is one that. of those things that you can get when you've got two different types of, you know, two types of vets, such as yourself, and one with a familiarity, one who doesn't, and you you can you can bank off that familiarity mm -hmm. to keep the other one around, kind of. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned some things too from him. He's a kind of I don't I'm old school, so we work together. I don't talk to you and disrespect you when I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. But when I'm the series lead, I'm in charge, and if I don't let you know what I'm thinking. At any given time, you may go off left. I'm the one got to, and that's what he was doing all the time. But he did it. He wasn't. He didn't mince words. He liked to curse. 
So, but if you didn't know that about him, you know, I just love him. I fell in love with him. He's a sweet, a sweet, sweet guy. I, I wish him nothing but success, you know. And Diddy too. Uh, he and Common. I did a music video with him. There's some young people who are have an awareness that I'm so impressed by, and it gives me hope that the work that we did is still being carried on. See, with young people, not unlike yourself, T. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap uh, this shit up. Teddy, what did you want to plug? Uh, you Other know, than the streets. Yeah, you know, uh, besides being in the streets, running, I'm Comedy Con Carne coming up. Uh, July 19th. That's right. Flapper is doing a damn thing. Jose Myself, Chavez. Teddy. Teddy. said Teddy. It's okay. Ah. Uh, Justin Dubois in the building, right? Uh, Leo Sanders, Leo Jose Sanders. Chavez, yourself, myself. Uh, doing it. Uh, I don't remember. Out. They keep changing the lineup, so yeah, I don't send know. Send me that shit. Yes, we will. We'll, we will do it. Uh, Absolutely. Flappers, Absolutely. 10 p.m. Uh, Mitch, anything and if else I bring got? Robert, y'all better acknowledge you. Oh, you're damn right. Uh, I got a show at uh, Sardo's this Wednesday, uh, two days from now, uh, one year anniversary of Sardo's, even though I feel like the chronology is wrong because I swear I played there more than a year ago with uh, the party starter, Mr. Darren Carter. Hello. Uh, as the headliner. And uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, and now, Robert, uh, I got yeah, to ask yeah, you this yeah. before I go. Them oh. things in your eyes, don't that shit hurt? No, sir. How did you do that? It's, I feel it's like, nothing. It's like anything else. It's like, look, if you pierce your ear, it, it hurts. It didn't hurt when though? it pierced, but like afterwards, you know how it's long not, it doesn't been keep to hurting. That question. I've I'm been waiting all the whole show. The last, <laughs> I swear to God, last thirty seconds. Why would it? Why would it continue in. to hurt now? It's been healed for like over a decade. You don't know. God, you don't know, maybe, damn. maybe you just got a real high threshold, now, son. Do you think that everybody's got their ear pierced, walks around going, "God, these things hurt," but damn, I look fashionable. Yeah. Right, well, no, no, no. <laughs> That's what I thought. Damn, man. And you know when they stick the thing in their tongue? I had, that. I had, I've listened. I've had them all. I've had them I all. I don't, I don't wear them all now, but I've had them all. So I've when had them women put that thing, it's for good head, right? Uh, it's it's actually it doesn't it honestly you don't feel it when they're giving head, but it is it's nice yeah. for like making out. It's a little, and also I think it's it's more of a symbol. Okay, you know what I mean. Chick with a uh bar in her tongue, you're probably more likely to go down on you than on That's the first what I date. Thought. You know, what I mean? thought they put that in there to tickle you. Didn't? I mean, it's the same thing of like you know An the reason amazing the reason I wear these big old spikes show, on my face. <laughs> you see. <laughs> Yes, this I'm is sorry. the chicks, the chicks that are into this kind of thing. <laughs> I didn't mean to take us. No, it's down, okay. Man. I'm just saying it's the same kind of thing. It's and more you of a were symbol. Holding on to it all night. It's, all it's not. a symbol. It's just a symbol of. Yes, yeah, well played. It's fine. Sir. It's you a symbol it. of. It's a symbol of of like. Uh, I'm looking for these kinds of people, the kind of people that that like you know punk. Freaks come out at night. Freaky shit. Same reason you wear that watch, right? Same reason you wear the watch, right? Same reason you put on the platforms, baby. You you don't you're not gonna wear you're not gonna wear like some rubber Casio Avery throwaway was a hippie, shit. And you're gonna I was be like, you're gonna be like, no, I'm wearing, I'm wearing this silver oh thing. God, you know what I mean? Oh I'm gonna wear a black corduroy jacket. Oh you know what I mean? God. You know, yeah, so yeah. Tell me, everything's, I, I, everything's no, about I like put them. that image out there so people said, realize what you're getting I said, into. I said, I said I get to it, whoever man. called, it. it was Jillian. Yes, yeah. I said Jillian. So now tell me about this thing. Now, this is the first time her name's ever been mentioned on the show. And I said, well, Jillian, baby, thank you. I said so. Am I on camera? And she said, yeah. I said, oh, well, I guess I better dress appropriately. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and right, mission accomplished. All right. Uh, thank you, thank you so much, John Wesley. Thank you. Uh, thank you out there in Ravopolis. We'll be back again next week. 
for episode 69, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sure uh, uh, we're still working out all the details. Check Riffin.net for uh, said details. Uh, Y'all is beautiful. We'll see you again next week. Good night, bitches. Thanks for listening to Straight Riffin. You can catch all past and future episodes of Straight Riffin on the official website, riffin.net, R-I-F-F-I-N.net. Keep in mind, we do air live every Monday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. That's 10 p.m. to midnight for you East Coasters. You can actually watch that right on Facebook, on our fan page, facebook.com slash straightriffin. Like us, check out the Ustream page. You can even chat while we're doing the show. That's how we interact with the fans. We thank you so much for listening. Check out Riffin.net. Buy my album. Buy Teddy's album. We'll catch you again next time. And rip the fuck on, bitches.